Good morning. It's DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Well, as most of you already know, the Jazz lost a thriller in overtime in Philadelphia. The Sixers come back, tie the game at 118 with a clutch three-pointer from Joel Embiid. And there are many things to talk about with this game, many things that went wrong. A lot of it's going to be about the officiating for the next four hours. They do sense because Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert both went off in the postgame, and you'll hear their comments coming up in the Best of the Postgame show later this hour. <coughs> and, uh, and they were furious, and not just about this game, but about trends across this season. And I know a lot of you are upset about the end of the game, but I thought more telling was the middle of the game. And by the time it was 92-92, uh, Quinn Snyder was calling timeout, and he was furious with the refs. And if there's been one constant with Quinn, he did not even, I think, address the refs or speak to them the first couple of years. He's a new coach in the league, and his team wasn't very good, and he's just all focused on getting the team better, maybe building up some credibility to the refs. Hey, this guy doesn't complain or whine or cry. And he was as mad as I've seen him. And we've seen him mad a few times. Um, <laughs> but he was furious. He was really worked up during the game, waving his arm at him. I think it was after a no call from Mike Conley. And as much as I know we're going to hear today about calls, I thought the no calls were bigger in this game. And if we set aside the refereeing and actually get to the basketball, which I sense we're not going to do a lot of today, but if we were to do that right now, I would say a couple things. One, the Jazz came out and played with the fire and the determination that I think we all wanted to see. Certainly that I wanted to see, but I think that most of us wanted to see. I thought they played pretty well. I think if there's one thing I would tweak, um, less isolation basketball and move the ball. I thought when the ball really moved, Philly had no answers. They, they couldn't defend the Jazz. And the Jazz did go to some isolation stuff, and they, they always have some success with it because Donovan's good at it and Jordan Clarkson's good at it. Um, but off the eyeball test, and I don't have any numbers to back this up. We'll have David Locke on later today. I'm sure he'll have the numbers. Um, I just think they're, I think they're harder to defend. And they get some results out of isolation, but I think they get better results when the ball moves. And, uh, you know, as good as Jordan is off the dribble, he's good in the catch-and-shoot game. I thought he hit a big, hit a big three-pointer late in that game <clears throat> off the, uh, the catch-and-shoot. I think Donovan found him. So I thought there were some good things there. Uh, if they play like that in the second half of the season, they'll win a lot of games. Can they play like that when they're fatigued in the second half of the season? Can they play like that when the calls are going against them? You know, and it, and it feels like the refs are against him. Um, I've said this multiple times on the air. I, I played high school basketball, um, and I loved it and I had a good time, and I was remarkably average. I did ref a little bit uh, when I was in high school, and I found it to be really hard, partly because the people playing the game don't know the rules. <laughs> Plus, there's just a lot of judgment calls, and that's where I think the Jazz feel like they got jobbed. You know, there was a foul where Rudy had his arm on Embiid as Embiid went up um, to put a rebound back in. Now, I think we need to remember the fact that was the Sixers' third shot on that possession. The Jazz have to get a rebound, and then that doesn't happen. Uh, but what was frustrating was they felt like they'd been fouled harder and it had been a no call at the other end. You know, and all that judgment stuff adds up. I think going after the refs after the game while satisfying in the moment because there's a lot of frustration, I don't think it pays off. And I think we know that for a fact. Um, Rudy went after the refs probably about three years ago. Uh, they lost a game to Dwayne Wade in the Heat. Maybe it was two years ago. December of 18, maybe. And 
Wade shot free throws either the second or two late in the game or right at the end with no time on the clock. I, it was way way at the end, and, <clears throat> and they lost the game. And Rudy went off afterwards, and he got fined like fifteen grand. And then in the next game, they were playing the Rockets, and Rudy got called for a foul on the jump ball. Literally eleven fifty nine left in the first quarter, he was in the book with a foul, and they kicked him out three minutes in. And I think he trashed some water cups on his way out. <clears throat> went back and lifted weights in the back and posted them to social media and then took them down. <laughs> and I think the Jets actually won the game. But the point is, refs have a memory and they stick up for each other. And so I don't think you're going to get more calls. Now, you may feel like you're not getting enough calls, but guess what? This has been going on in the NBA forever. This has been going on in the NBA longer than Dick Bavetta. I mean, you can go back to his rookie year. It was happening before that. We can't even blame it on Dick Bavetta. It's that long. You know, you can go back 20 years to the statues and everybody remembers calls. And I know everybody thought they didn't get calls with Boozer and Williams and Kirilenko and O'Kerr and that group playing the Lakers three times in four years. Uh, do you think the Jazz are going to get calls now? Nobody in the league thought the league got calls against Magic. Everybody thought he refereed his own playoff games just like he refereed his own summer pickup games at UCLA. And Wilt Chamberlain never fouled out of an NBA game. So that's back to the 60s and... I don't know if he was in the NBA in the late 50s or not. I think he wasn't. Uh, but certainly all through the 60s. Maybe he was for a year. So if this has been going on since Wilt, if this has been going on for more than half a century, is it about to change now because jazz players got mad in the locker room? Because I'm pretty sure the answer to that is no. And, you know, Quinn Snyder talked about we always we have to play through the contact. We have to play through the bad calls. I mean, take a shot in the dark right now, jazz fans. It's not right. Okay, it's not right. But how's this going to go in the playoffs? Think the Jazz are going to get more calls than Lakers and Clippers? Jazz will get some. They got some in last night's game. I just don't think they got enough. So, all right, well, I'm sure we'll knock this pinata around all morning long, talk about the refereeing again. I thought they played better. I think they need to move the ball more and play less isolation offensively. That was my takeaway from the game. And Bede's a beast. I thought they defended well. 118 is a big number. I knew I threw out the 120 number, and statistically that's what holds. Um they probably won't see the Sixers again. I know they're talking on the broadcast and Harper was talking about it, but the odds of them both being in the finals, I think, are pretty minimal. Um, and Bede's a beast, and he crushes a lot of defenses. And if they, if they let him lower the shoulder, which he got to do on, on Rudy a couple times because he's a star and he gets star treatment, Donovan gets to jump sideways and get three free throws. I don't know what to tell you. Star treatment's wrong. Unless it's your guy, then it's awesome. <laughs> Who shot the most free throws in NBA history? Carl Malone. Carl Malone. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, college football, Yogi Roth, Pac-12 Networks, and then we'll get to the best of the Jazz postgame show. Stay with us. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. DJ PK brought to you in part by Mark Miller. DJ PK in the morning brought to you by Mark Miller Subaru. Time to welcome back Yogi Roth, Pac-12 Network Analyst. Yogi, good morning. Good morning, indeed. The Pac-12 schedule is out, so we thought we'd have you on. We take a, a break in the wall-to-wall jazz uh, nonstop coverage we give you here with the jazz uh, tearing things up. But there's always time for college football in Utah, as you well know. Let's go, man. I, I love it. 
I love talking to you guys. So I see a lot of things reading different stories on different team schedules, but if there's one thing that jumped out at me, it's that USC was given a bye before Notre Dame. Somebody in the conference office or the conference ADs is thinking, you know, the Pac-12 rep has taken a beating here the last few years. USC winning in South Bend, that would be a big deal. Let's give them a bye and give them a chance to get ready. You reading the same stuff into it? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I think the job of the conference is to, you know, take a competitive league and put everybody in the best position for their respective teams. So, uh, I'm sure it was considered. Uh, it is the latest they'll play in South Bend since 1993. So there's a little bit of that of like, hey, if you're an SC team, most kids are from, you know, the Bakersfield Beltway, if you will, from Bakersfield to San Diego on this roster. It's over 65% of the roster. So it's not like you guys are going to love going to the snow in South Bend if that's what the weather is like. Uh, but, yeah, I I, I hope – I know that there was consideration into making sure that – no, teams are not put in precarious scenarios. We've seen those in the past. So I, I love the move, and it's a, it's a great move. Build up the hype. Hopefully Notre Dame is a top-10 team, and SC, they'll have a chance. And the game against Utah prior to that, of course, is going to you know launch them in the trajectory as a, as a real quality win if they can get it. So, Yogi, what's going to be your first official act when you are named commissioner of the Pac-12? <laughs> First act, uh, make sure I'm on your show every week. There you go. Yes, I like it. Right there. Back 12 Commissioner Yogi Roth joins us now. Exactly right. Uh, I'll tell you what, man. I think it's a really exciting time for our conference. Um, And, you know, I've known Larry Scott since he got the job. I was coaching. I was at SC. And uh, I remember when he he came down to L.A. and I met him for the first time. And it's really exciting. And I think there's a lot of great things that he did in his tenure in terms of, you know, television, et cetera, as we got going. But I, th- I think all of us, him included, would agree that, you know, it's, it's time for a change. We, we see that all the time. You know, what you guys experienced in Utah with Kyle Whittingham is so, uh, you know, uncommon in sports, let alone college sports. So I think it's, I think it's a good thing in terms of turning the page um, and getting a fresh narrative, right, a fresh narrative. And to me, that's really exciting. And if there was one thing I would do, um, and one thing that I think will be done, and, and I think it's been done and really not, not gotten a lot of play, is we do a lot of things in this conference for players that nobody talks about. right? So health insurance, they have it longer in this conference than any other conference when they're playing careers over. Investment into mental health, investment into social justice, investment into concussion studies. Uh, we do a lot for the players. I, I would double down on that. You know, With NIL and everything happening, um, I hope the Pac-12 conference becomes the players conference and a conference where anybody who's getting recruited here says, yeah, man, why am I leaving you know, the Pac-12 footprint to go to the South? Like that is ludicrous. And you look at the forward thinking model of just media in general. Um, so that, that's what I hope happens. And, and I believe that's going to happen. And I look forward to the next couple of years. Cause it's going to be crazy with NIL and everything that a commissioner is going to have to navigate. And of course the media rights at the Pac-12 conference and the Pac-12 networks, but, I mean, to me, it's a premier job. Like, how exciting is that? Like, you're not just coming in and just operating business as usual. You get to come in and you're part of major changes. And, oh, by the way, you get to live on the West Coast. Like, you want to be in college sports. I don't know if there's a better job administratively in college athletics, in my opinion, in terms of location, living, and the reality of what you're going to be able to do. So it really bugs you when you see California kids going to Alabama, running off to the SEC or Big Ten? 
It's bugging you big time. Well, the, the bug to me is, and, and I, I'm, I'm doing this new podcast series with quarterbacks about the phrase, what does it mean to make it? Right. And I talked to, um, I haven't aired him yet, but I just talked to Malik Zaire yesterday and went to Notre Dame. I talked to Brandon Harris, who was a huge recruit, went to LSU. And both of those guys talked about fit. And I think a lot of times when you're seeing, and they weren't in the right fit. They both ended up leaving their school. But they were recruited. They fell in love with the process. They were local products. Um, or they wanted to leave their footprint and, and go somewhere else. And the more and more I talk to high-profile players, um, a lot of times, and sometimes it works out, right? Now, he, Najee Harris, who was the perfect fit, right, to Alabama, and look what he did. You know, he's a guy who was playing as well as anybody in the country last year in Alabama. But my point is that a lot of times in recruiting, guys go to places because and I've talked to them. They were just in the playoff. It's a sexy thing. It's the hot thing. Uh, they just sent a couple guys to the Heisman. All notable things that help in recruiting versus, hey, what's the best fit for me? Now, where, where really should I play to develop where my family can see me, where I feel comfortable, where the coaching staff continues to recruit my high school so it's not like they don't care about me when I'm there necessarily? All the things that are realities in college football – um, I don't think players, and it's fair, don't recognize it until they're later in their career or after their career. So, yeah, it bugs me when I look at it and I'm like, what's up with that fit? Right? Ali Cajo, when he left UW to go to Alabama, it was like, where did that come from? It came out of completely left field. And then when you study it, a lot of the guys that leave the footprint and take off, uh, that, you know, granted it's early in that relative process, but they don't always thrive. Right? You can go up and down the list. I mean, there's quarterback that went to Miami 15 years ago. Probably should have stayed in the Pac-12. I mean, I can give you examples left and right. Um, so overall, um, yeah, I'm not a huge fan of it. Unless that is the right fit. Unless you do fall in love with everything about it versus just what that program has done in most recent times. Oh, Yogi, you're speaking my language. I've said it to you and on air many times here as an ASU grad watching the Big 12 title game with both quarterbacks being from the state of Arizona uh, last year. I didn't really like that. I could sort of live with both quarterbacks from being the state of Arizona with uh, Oregon and SC last year. So you had four quarterbacks in the state of Arizona, neither of them had stayed, and none of them stayed in Arizona. But now, Ohio State, the uh, successor to Fields might be an, an Arizona kid. So it's just... It's plagued this conference, and I think that of all the things, you know, we can talk about DirecTV and not having the Pac-12 network and blah, blah, blah. You can come up with a bunch of reasons, but I think I would put that right at the top of the list as far as kids taking off. To see a, a Clemson have a kid from you know, right down the street, metaphorically, from two L.A. schools and just a few hours away from Arizona, that really does bother me, and I think... The conference, if they can get a hold on that, then they're going to be right where they want to be. Yeah, I think um, I'm with you on that. I think, you know, I think it's challenging um, right now when you look at recruiting because players are doing what I referenced. I think there's three schools that have separated themselves in college football in Ohio State, Clemson, and Alabama to a degree in recruiting and the way that they recruit uh, and, and, quite frankly, the way that they play. Uh, but I do think that these three factors are going to lead and have led to players staying home uh, in no particular order. One being COVID-19. Uh, I think what we found is players that are far away from their families uh, weren't comfortable, didn't enjoy that. I think at least in the immediacy of recruiting and you know not knowing the realities of what this virus is going to do to 
at least this upcoming college football season. We still don't know what fans are going to be like all across the country. Um, it's just kind of too hard to predict. So I think there's something there that has kept players home. Uh, and then you add in the last two recruiting cycles, nobody could go visit in last year's, and now there's still a dead period up until the summer. right? So how much visitation is really going to happen? Uh, we'll see. We'll see. But in my opinion, that's factor number one. Factor number two uh, is NIL, right? as I referenced earlier. You, know, you grow up in L.A. and you're Corey Foreman. Why are you leaving? Right? Even Kayvon Thibodeau staying in the footprint. And I think and, and you can go to Utah or you can go to Pullman, but if you're from the footprint, you're still playing in L.A. once a year. You're still playing in Seattle. You're still playing in the Bay Area. You're playing in you know, Salt Lake City. You're playing in media markets that you know, have juice around who you are and what you're about and celebrating your stories. So I think that's number two. And I think, I think number three is social justice. I think what's going on on Pac-12 campuses, and you hope around the country is, is well, I, I know around the country is really impressive in, in college communities. When you look at the actual footprints, though, um, which is different. You know, you reference DJ Angelele. You go back and look at his Twitter feed when there was a peaceful protest on Clemson's campus, and he put out a video where he said something along the lines of, I can't believe this is happening on my campus, and it was a Confederate flag rolling right through Clemson, South Carolina. It's, I think, you know, and these recruiting cycles or these recruiting circles are so tight now, especially with social media. All these guys are talking to each other. Their buddies growing up. They've all played in the same circuit, seven on seven, et cetera. But I think there's something to that of going to different regions and saying, hey, what's going on in that community? And it's not a slight. It's just kind of a reality of what is going on around the country. And I think you look at the Pac-12 footprints. Nobody's perfect. But fundamentally, it's just a more progressive part of the world. And, and I think that when it gets down to it, uh, those are going to be three factors that I think will begin to sway some talent coming back. But we'll always lose some, you know. Now you referenced Jack Miller from Arizona at Ohio State. C.J. Stroud also went to Ohio State. Guys are going to want to go play at those big three schools. I don't think that's slowing down at all. To me, it's the other thing that you referenced, right? Can, can, it, can you find a player? And I think it's, it's nobody knew that Brock Purdy was going to be Brock Purdy, in my opinion, coming out of high school. Right, but we all knew Spencer Rattler, you know. But Jane Daniels with ASU, you know. So I, I think we're always going to lose guys here and there. But to your point, you know, can we make sure the exodus isn't what it was two years ago when so many players left the footprint? Right. So part of it has having uh, big conference games, big games that excite kids because kids love that—the full stadium, the hype, the big TV audience, and all that. In the conference schedule this year. Washington isn't playing USC or Utah. Oregon's not playing USC or ASU. That's four big crossover games that aren't happening. And so I think you miss those games. That's a negative. Now, the positive is maybe the league doesn't beat itself up so badly. Which way do you view that with these big games not happening? Well, I'm with you. Like, when the schedule came out, I was like, oh, man, SC is missing Oregon and UW. That was Mm -hmm. kind of the first thing that jumped out. And then I just kind of nerded it out, and I went down the list of, like, well, what games are not happening that are notable, right? You reference Washington, Utah. Um, I look at Oregon, ASU. Uh, Oregon, yeah, Oregon, ASU. ASU. I look, like this, yeah, Utah, Cal. I mean, there's some, some games. And then I uh, went to the conference office, and I asked about it, and what I was reminded of was, like, this deal was made back in 2011 um, when you're talking about California schools were always going to play California schools, and that was the agreement. So if you look at it, in 2013 and 14. SC didn't play Oregon and UW. Same thing in 17 and 18. Same thing in, you know, 21 and 22. Mm-hmm. So that's just kind of the way that it works. 
the, the good thing is that the non-conference schedule is so strong uh, in this conference that I'm not too worried about it. And then I did a deeper dive, and, and Bama, granted, they played Georgia last year in the regular season because everything got flipped out of its head, but they didn't play it since 2015 in the regular season. Right? So it's not like conferences all across the country are making sure the best are playing the best. Um, and I think for us, it's not like it was decided this year to say, let's make sure that SC, Oregon, and Washington you know, have an easier path to a proverbial title, um, or Utah for, the, for that matter. It wasn't that at all. It was, hey, this is how the schedule has been laid out since 2011. So I look at the non-conference. I think they play 11 games against P5, uh, two uh, obviously the traditional Notre Dame opponents, uh, five games against BYU, interestingly. That's a, a large number. It's good for the Cougars, good for us here in our community. You know how much we love college football and then to have BYU play teams that are you know, at least regionally local, if that makes sense. But I look at uh, 9-11, that's second Saturday in March, uh, Washington, Michigan, Cal, TCU, uh, it's BYU, Utah, uh, Colorado, A&M, and then uh, Oregon, Ohio State. Man, that is a big Saturday. How big of a deal are we going to put into the results on that Saturday, do you think? Huge. You know, I mean, you know how it works. It'll be a big deal in, in – Week zero, when UCLA plays Hawaii, and then they got LSU yeah. the next week, right? I mean, I, I think that's right. the nature. And I think the big thing, and I just got done talking to Danny Cannell about it on his show early this morning, of in college football, we, we want to have everything, which is we want to hold people accountable to who they played in week one or week two to the point of Oregon-Auburn, Washington-Auburn, and say, well, they lost that game. Clearly, they're done for the season. And we also want to say, well, it's, it's the four best, so if Notre Dame or Clemson lose, it doesn't matter. They're still in the playoff in the ACC title. Like, to me, that's where the committee has to step in, right? And they've always said four best, but that, for us, at least in the, in the Pac-12 conference, hasn't always held true. Um, and I think also from a conference standpoint, if you do lose one, let's just say Oregon loses to Ohio State, you got to go run the table and you got to go do your thing in that regard. We haven't seen a two-loss team in the playoffs. So I can be playing all day or make recommendations how the playoffs should change. I've done that for the better part of the entire playoffs tenure, um, but it doesn't matter, right? So hopefully we can just continue to beat the drum of depth and breadth of the conference, and then our teams need to show up and play and play well, right? Like we, we can't go two and three against Utah, you know? Arizona's got to play – or against BYU, excuse me. Arizona's got to play well. Utah's got to – those are the things, those little data points. And I say that I was on the inside this year as a presenter – on the behalf of the Pac-12, to the CFP every other week. So I met with the Pac-12 representatives, along with the Commissioner Scott, Merton Hanks, and our team, and I pitched and pitched hard. And we told them when we were disappointed with where the rankings were and how we felt the conference wasn't getting respect, and you saw where USC was ranked in multiple weeks. Uh, it felt like they heard us, but their actions didn't reflect similar opinions. So I do think there's something to... You know, the narrative changing a little bit, which, which it already has begun to do that, in my opinion, and then going out and playing well in those games and getting a win in those games. Because we can look at Oregon State at Purdue. That's going to be a notable moment when the playoff committee gets going prior to Oregon and Oregon State. It just is. And I know it from being in it this year. So I, I don't think that we sit on the throne of it is for best. I think everybody in that room – is an individual, and some of them think about full best right now at the end of the season. Some use the data points along the way, um, and that to me is a major blemish 
within the process, which is the current playoff selection process. So is USC the uh, the favorite this year with 15 seniors and a quarterback back, or are you looking at somebody else in the league? It's really fun to kind of go through. You know, there, there's multiple teams that have over 80% of their roster returning from last year. Right? So I look at SC, to your point, Arizona State, they're positioned well. I mean, if they were, if they had USC's logo, they, they'd be picked, right? And as I went through the schedule, I kept circling, you know, critical games, and it was everybody against ASU. And I got to ASU schedule and said, yeah, I must think they're pretty good. So I think today on paper, I'd go Arizona State. And I don't know what uh, the offensive line of USC is going to look like. They hired Clay McGuire, a new line coach, so they're full-on air raid. Uh, I want to see what they're going to do in spring. Uh, they got to replace some really key players on defense, right? They had some guys in at the portal, uh, starting an inside la- inside backer, inside linebacker midseason. They lose Colin Ohofunga, obviously an All-American player. Uh, I think those two teams right now, on paper with what we know, are the two top teams in the South. But, man, like all the players, Utah returns, UCLA, you watch them on film, and there's times where you know they, they were able to do whatever they wanted. I mean, Remember, they, they took Oregon to the end with the backup quarterback in Chase Griffin last year. They have DTR, and maybe they win that ball game, which would be a huge moment for, for Chip Kelly and the turning point in what was a weird season last year. And then in the North, I, Stanford, to me, was playing the best football in the conference last year at the end of the year. Like, if we went four best at the end or two best, Stanford would have been in the title game, in my opinion, the way that they just played. Cal returns pretty much everybody. It's amazing how many guys who could have gone to the league didn't let alone players like they got a 60-year senior center in Michael Safel, right? Those types of players are returning for that team. Cam Good, guys that have played a ton of football. I think it'll benefit them. And, and then I go to Washington, under the radar, man. Really, in my opinion, a little bit under the radar on the title scene conversation. They're a top 25 team, but they're loaded. NFL talent all over. Can their receivers take the next step will be the question, right? Notably, Puka Nakua, a five-star player coming out of you guys know your backyard there. Can he become the dude that we anticipated him becoming when he first got on campus? So I think there's a lot of teams at the top, uh, but if I had to make a prediction today, I'd pick Oregon and I'd pick Arizona State in their respective conferences knowing what we know. So you speak of Yogi as far as Oregon, just use a hypothetical, they lose to Ohio State. They got to run the table. Well, we're going into our 11th year into this conference with Utah and Colorado, and nobody has run the table. And you can throw out last year to an extent if you want to, fine. But still, nobody has gone 9-0. and zero. So it, it, it becomes, mathematically, it has, it has not happened. So I don't know that I can expect it to happen in uh, 2021. If it happens, I hope it's the Devils. But nevertheless... I'm wondering these big games that like Oregon's playing, and we saw that two years ago. What did they? I think they lost to Auburn, and and, they, and then they lose at the next to last uh, game of the season to the Devils, yeah, yeah. and all of a sudden they're out. Is there is there one? I don't know what the answer is. Can we somehow get the committee to acknowledge? Well, it's almost impossible to go nine and zero uh, in the Pac-12. So rather than this credit them for losing to Auburn give them credit for playing Auburn even though they lost a close game as opposed to playing the Citadel or somebody knowing that you it's so difficult in this conference to go through unbeaten 
Hey, man, I'm, I'm with you. I'm on that perch shouting from the rooftops as well. Um, and a lot of what my role was with the committee was giving them context. That last year was, a, was obviously in a unique season. Uh, but if, if allowed to be in that room again, I, I'll continue to beat that drum. And, and that's what you're talking about. Right? And that's what's not talked about around the country. Context, no one can give, you know, you know what about context. It's about <laughs> what's your record. Right? What was the final score? You know, I, I can give you a 21-17 win in the SEC and it's a gritty win. I can give you the same score in the Pac-12 and man, nobody's playing well. It's an ugly win, right? And that's just a narrative yeah. conversation. Yeah. So, you know, we, we've got to help that. Uh, and and we'll, we'll obviously we'll all do our best in that regard. But I'm with you. I, I don't see a team going undefeated in this conference. I, I think it's so hard to ask guys, A, to be that dialed in and that focused every week, right? Look at UW a couple of years ago. They lost at ASU late in the season. The year they went to the playoffs. Right? It was like it was like ten six. It was like one of those weird games. And everybody, nobody's going to play perfect this year. I think the challenge is is what you're referencing on the playoff because you know somebody from the Big Twelve might finish with one loss. ACC might finish with one loss. SEC might finish with one loss. Big Ten might finish with one loss. So if, if there's one loss teams from Power Five conferences, you say, well, those get in over the two loss. Yeah, and I understand that because we'd be making the same argument if it was swept. Um, the challenge is that the ACC and the SEC continue to play past few schedules to a large degree in terms of weak crossover games, in my opinion, let alone uh, weak non-conference games, to you referencing the Citadel, no respect to, to that organization. But it's just a reality. When you look at Week 11 in this conference, it's Cal and Stanford. It's not Cal versus you know Louisiana Lafayette. And, and they're doing a nice job of Louisiana Lafayette. Right. See my point. Right. Uh, it's not nearly the type of competitive slate. Yeah. And we just keep going there. And I don't think that'll change. I get asked that all the time. Do you think the conference will change? You look at the Big Ten and the Big 12, they're playing non-conference games. You hear Coach Saban at least say all the time he's got no problem playing non-conference games. I don't know if they'll make those shifts in those conferences. Why would they? Because they continue to get paid by going to the playoff. Nobody's really missing the playoff from the SEC or um, Clemson and the ACC, respectively. So I don't know what will happen in that regard. But until the playoff committee – and or ESPN, and or you know, the hypothetical college football commissioner's office, which I hope gets built someday, until they say, you know what, they actually play different styles of football in every region, and we should give every region and every Power Five conference and a group of five a berth. It'd make it more entertaining. It'd be better yeah. for the ratings. The ratings have been down and continue to drop in college football because people are bored. You know, it, it, and we all know who the top three teams are every year in the country, and they all get the benefit of the doubt if they do lay an egg and play a poor game. Right. Our conference doesn't get that. So week one, week two, in the non-con games that you referenced and the five against BYU, there's a great opportunity this year. And I don't know about you guys, but I feel the narrative shifting. I really do. I think there's a lot of NFL players in this conference. Uh, even yesterday, we threw it out for three hours talking about the schedule. I've done more national interviews in the last two days. Uh, about the schedule than I have in probably previous year's schedules combined. Uh, because people are talking about it, and there's buzz about it. And, and I like that, and you know that's the conference office making a, a big commitment to the hype around our teams and our conference and our league, and, and the coaches are, are loving that as well, and they should. And, and up to me, when you even look at recruiting, Cal was ranked where they were ranked. Washington's class, Stanford uh, did well late. Oregon, of course, and SC kind of carrying it. Utah's done well and, and better the last couple of years getting bigger recruits. And when you look at that thing, you say, yeah, man, like Pac-12 football is actually really good. We might just be buried in the stats or 
the back page of the sports section with just some scores and little blurbs at the end of the, uh, every Sunday morning when they're looking at that. Well, Yogi, as always, we appreciate a few minutes to talk football, even with the jazz rolling. It's good to talk a little college football, and we will talk to you again in a little while, I expect. Yeah, anytime. I'd love to. There's Yogi Roth, Pac-12 Networks. Love to have him on and talk college football. When we come back, the best of the postgame show, Rudy and uh, Donovan go off. That's next. Stay with us. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5, 1280, The Zone. The Utah Jazz get beat in Philadelphia in overtime. And yes, refereeing is going to be a big part of the postgame here. Donovan and Rudy were real upset. Um, I think Quinn Snyder was upset but didn't want to say as much. I thought the team played better. I thought they played a lot better than they did in New Orleans. I think they would have won in New Orleans if they played the way they did in Philadelphia. But they didn't, so they lost. Um, we'll get into some more of the basketball side of it. You're going to hear a lot about the refereeing. Jazz very frustrated with some calls, with a lot of no calls. And I thought that heated them up more than the calls, to be honest with you. All right. Here's the best of the postgame show with Jake. It's your Jazz recap here on DJ and PK on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Tough loss for the Utah Jazz going into the All-Star break. They fall to the Philadelphia 76ers in overtime, 131 to 123. Controversial game. The referees were, of course, a theme throughout all the postgame sound, which we'll get here momentarily. Donovan Mitchell ejected in the overtime period. Donovan had 33 points on 12 to 34, shooting eight rebounds, six assists but uh, did not uh, finish the game with his team as he was thrown out for the first time in his career. After Joel Embiid hit a prayer of a three to send it to overtime, the Sixers dominated the extra period, 13-5, and they go on to win 131-123. to The Jazz now 27-9 and uh, going into the All-Star break. Let's get some post-game sound, and uh, you're going to notice a theme. <laughs> throughout these interviews, but let's start things off with Jazz head coach uh, Quinn Snyder. Eric Walden, Salt Lake Tribune. Thank you. So obviously uh, down the stretch, you know, there were some whistles that didn't go your way. Um, seemed like maybe the team started kind of reacting to that. How did you feel about the calls that were made kind of in the in the stretch of the game and, and how that impacted uh, how you guys played at the end? Well, you know, the challenge is when you don't get the whistle that you want, um, those things always happen, and it's to play through it and to continue to compete. Um, I thought we did that. Um, Obviously, you know, I heard Donovan's comments, and, you know, obviously there's a level of frustration uh, that he has, that we have, uh, and that's something that, you know, presumably you can't control. So... You know, give Philly credit. Embiid hit a big shot, that three. We were on him, um, you know, trying not to give up a three. Um, and then we weren't able to, to close the other way and, you know, overtime got away from us. But uh, we just have to, you know, take break, regroup, and uh, continue to compete. Andy Larson, Salt Lake Tribune. 
Donovan just said that he feels you guys are differently officiated than uh, than other teams are. Do you feel that way as well? Do you feel that there's a discrepancy? I, I, I think Donovan, you know, felt um, that there were a number of situations when he was driving the ball, Mike was attacking. You know, that's what you know we've talked about trying to do, and you know, to be able to play through contact. You know, I, I think it, it gets to a point when. You know, you, you feel like where you, what you're doing defensively and what you're doing offensively um, are being perceived two different ways. And that's essentially what he was trying to express. Um, you know, we know that, you know, as, as we're trying to, to improve and beat some of the best teams in the league, that, you know, we've always got work to do. Um, but there is obviously a level of frustration with the things that you can't control. There's Jazz head coach Quinn Snyder as his team falls 131 to 123. Let's uh, get into the player sound. Let's start things off with a uh, grumpy Donovan Mitchell. All right, we're going to start with Kristen Kenny, Jazz TV. Hey, Don, this is a game where both teams competed really like two of the best in the league. You guys were in a position to win. Things got a little chippy. Just how frustrating is this one for you? Um. First of all, I've got to, you know, give 76ers credit. They played a hard hard game, you know. Joel does what he does, and, you know, at the end of the day, they're, they're a good team. We competed. Um, but it's, 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 it's tough, KK. Like, it's tough to, to go out there and see how we fight and compete and to have a game like that taken from us. And I'm never, ever one to, to, to blame a ref, to blame an official. I could say I, we could have done more, but this is getting out of hand. You know, there have been games like this that we've won. There have been games like this that we've, we've, we've lost. But this whole refereeing stuff and the way we're, we're nice, we don't complain, we don't, like, we don't get frustrated, you know, we fight through things. And the fact that we just continually get, get screwed in a way by this, you know, like we, we won this game, in my personal opinion, you know. But like I said, I'm going to give them credit. They won, whatever, cool. But, like, this is cons- it's, it's a consistent thing. And, you know, the question is, can we can we do it? Can we sustain it? Are we for real number one? Like, yeah, the hell we are. And it's getting, it's getting ridiculous, KK, that this is, this is what's happening. You know what I mean? We have a whole second half of the season to go and get ready for, but, like, I'm, I'm sick of it. To be honest with you, we all are. You know, and I think this is something that just – it bite, it, it eats me. It eats at me, man. And it's I – don't, I don't – y'all know what it is. We all know what it is, but it's – it's really getting out of hand. It's really, really, really getting out of hand. And the league needs to do something about this because I want to see the last two-minute report. I want to see it, but it's, it's getting out of hand. There's Donovan Mitchell, 33 points on 12-34 shooting, eight rebounds, six assists, but unhappy with uh, the officiating. Uh, sick of it uh, from what Donovan said. Uh, you could kind of tell that this has been something maybe that's been building uh, for a, a little while. And uh, simply put, he, he wants to see it get called both ways. Uh, let's now uh, go to Mike Conley. All right, we'll start with Eric Walden, Salt Lake Tribune. Hey, Mike. So, uh Don was obviously pretty upset about how the end of the game transpired, uh, said that he felt like you guys deserved to win the game, that the refs had uh, once again screwed you out of uh, being able to do that. That's just what's your view of how the end of the game was was officiated in the stretch? Um, you know, my view wasn't just the, the end of the game. I thought the game, you know, was getting out of hand a little bit earlier on. Um we should have obviously executed better to win the game. Obviously, Jim, uh, Joel hit a big shot, um, a really tough shot. Otherwise, you know, we have a, a really good chance to win that. But um, 
it, it's tough. It's tough because we fought so hard, did all the things we could control. Um, we always say try to control what you can control. And tonight there were some things that were out of our control. And, um, you know, and I'm proud of our guys for fighting through it. You know, it's frustrating to lose any time, but especially when you, you, you fought so hard to, to get that dub. Andy Larson, Salt Lake Tribune. Donovan said that he felt you guys are differently officiated at times. Do you feel that way? I felt that way my whole career, honestly. You know, it's just that that small market, you know, we don't have the, um, you know, we don't have the, the, the big time names, you know, the ones that are all over the TV and stuff like that. So um, it can get a little wild for us. But, um, you know, we have stars, you know, Don's a star, Rudy's a star, um, Boyan, guys that, that deserve to get those calls. And, um, and it's just not happening for us right now. And uh, it's, it's unfortunate. Just a quick follow up. Did you feel like Donovan's uh, technical warranted? Um, yeah, I think, you know, obviously you, you, you want him to, we need him. <laughs> we need him in the game. Um, but, um, at that point in the game, man, you know, I, he's young. He's going to have, have nights where he's going to get, get, get frustrated like that. And he has to let that out at some point. And, uh, maybe that'll, you know, draw some attention. Um, and we'll win the, and we'll win the war later. You know, it's just one battle tonight and, uh, it's a long season ahead. Ben Anderson, KSLSports.com. Hey, Mike, what did you see on the uh, last play of regulation? Looked like a pretty good look. Yeah, um, you know, first I we were checking to see if we were calling timeout. Uh, looked over at coach; he told told us to go, and um, I think we all liked the look we got. I mean, you know, Donovan was a little bit denied early. I got the ball and was able to uh, uh, get a look at the elbow that you know another revolution that might go in. You know, just a very comfortable shot and uh, one I've made a thousand times. So um, that's just unfortunate it didn't go in. There's Mike Conley, 18 points, two rebounds, two assists for Mike. But uh, he talked about how he feels he's been battling the ref issue uh, for his whole career and that it's a small market thing. And Mike seemed to think that uh, Rudy Donovan even mentioned Bogdanovich. Uh, deserves a, a little more benefit of the doubt from the officiating crew. Let's now go with uh, – we'll wrap things up with Rudy Gobert. I mean, every season, to be honest, I think we – you know, uh, as I've been in this league and I've been watching a lot of games, um, you know, I feel like a lot of guys are able to do things that we're not able to do. And, you know, our guys uh, are not able to get some calls that everybody else in the league gets. So, you know, we, don't, we know that we're the Utah Jazz and we, you know, maybe some people don't want to see us, you know, go as far as I believe that we can go, but... Um, it's disappointing. It's disappointing because I believe that I think the Sixers played play a great game. You know, I don't want to, you know, they are a very good team. Uh, you got to give them credit, but I believe that we deserve to win that game. And, you know, when my guys are getting fought uh, three times in a row, Mike Conley is going to the rim. They're grabbing him right in front of the officials and there's no call. And, you know, and on, the, on the other side, there's calls that are invisible that are being made. Um, I think it's disrespectful, to be honest, to the game of basketball and to our team. And, you know, hopefully they're going to watch the game, uh, you know, when they get home. We all we all do. I watch it too. But uh, hopefully they feel ashamed when they watch the game. And we know that, uh, you know, 
when you're a small market. I don't want to say that, but I, I really believe it. You know, after, after playing in this league for eight years, it's a little harder, and that's one of the things that uh, we got to overcome. And that's what I told the guys. You know, when you're a small market, you gotta you gotta be better than just better. You gotta be, you know, you gotta be elite, and uh, we gotta control what we can control. But it's uh, very disappointing to be disrespected like that. And, I mean, especially for my for my guys, you know that you know we work so hard. You know, it's, uh, it's the last game of the road trip, and we're in a position to win the game, and they just get disrespected. Uh, and it's not just one play because you know we all make mistakes. You know, I, I mean, uh, I have a lot of respect for the officials. You know, I think it's a tough, it's a tough job. I think they, you know, I think they try their best, but you know, there's just too many. It was too obvious tonight. They can't make it that obvious. You know, and we're gonna we're gonna watch film and do all that. We're gonna keep getting better, but we just deserve a little more respect, you know, as a team and uh, and as, as human beings too, for all the work that we put in. You know, and hopefully we get it second half of the season. Andy Larson, Salt Lake Tribune. Was there a point, Rudy, you thought that the officiating was worse, or like where you guys got most frustrated, or do you think it was something that was happening throughout the game? I mean, I'm trying, you know, when, I, when I'm on the court, I'm trying not to focus on that. Um, I don't think it was bad throughout the game. You know, I think he got really bad uh, in the fourth and uh, in the overtime, obviously. But, uh, I mean, not much I can say. You know, I'm going to watch the game. I mean, I watch, like, I watch what guys are getting on one end and what we're getting on the other hand. And it can be just mistakes. You know, at some point, like those guys, two of those officials have a lot of experience. You know, I know these guys and, you know, I mean, I know all their names and I, I, have, I have a lot of respect for them. But tonight they didn't have respect for us. And that can happen because we're nice. We're nice guys. You know, Mike Conley never had a technical in his life and they don't respect him. So maybe he should get more technicals. I don't know what he needs to do. Mike Conley to get some respect. Like uh, at some point, I don't know what he needs to do. And, you know, we, I mean, we shouldn't have to say it, but we have to say it because, you know, uh, everyone's watching. We know, everyone knows what's going on. And uh, if we don't say it now, uh, you know, we just won't, it might be too late. So uh, we just we just want a little more respect. That's it. You know, as basketball players, as human beings, and, you know, and uh, especially Garmin. I say Mike, but Mike, Donovan, all our guys, you know, uh, they just deserve to be treated the same way the other players on the other team are treated, regardless of which team it is, which market it is. Uh, you know, for the beauty of the game, I think it's, uh, it's the minimum that we can, you know, we can ask. That's it. There's Rudy, 12 points, nine boards. Uh, and uh, Rudy backing up a lot of what Donovan Mitchell had to say, feeling disrespected, unhappy uh, with the officiating. And like Donovan said, he felt like uh, they should have won uh, this game tonight. One uh, interesting note about Rudy, he was not actually scheduled to give comment uh, during the postgame. He uh, went into the media room, sat down, and said, uh, I'm going to give my thoughts on this one. So there's Rudy, and I wouldn't be surprised if we see some uh, fines announced a little bit later on today for uh, Donovan Mitchell and probably uh, Rudy Gobert. But there you go. Jazz final game going into the All-Star break. They lose to the Sixers 131 to 123. Next uh, Jazz broadcast will be a week from Friday. They'll take on the Rockets here at Vimin Arena. That game will tip at 8. Pre-game coverage will begin at 7. There is the best of the post-game show and when we come back, 
What is trending? All the headlines. Stay with us. Your day has just begun. But for DJ and PK, they're just hitting their stride. It's time for all your headlines from the night in sports. As DJ and PK tell you what's trending. Are you ready? On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Hashtag Utah Jazz. Tobias Harris to Embiid. Embiid is pushed by Bogdanovich. Nine seconds ago, dribbles beyond the arc, fakes a three, shoots a three, it's up, and good! 5.9 to go, Embiid is tied in at 118. Mitchell walking down the court, shake falls down. Utah trying to tie him up, and it will be a jump. Donovan Mitchell is called for a tee. He did not even change ends. He was walking down the court and just totally yelling at the official the entire time and he has now been thrown out of the game spidey what's going on it's 31 seconds to go it's a five-point game he gets a double t whack and he's out of here are you kidding me these drones that he just threw a cooler right at one of the event staff members and then he pounded him on the shoulder like sorry about that big guy i'm never ever one to blame a ref to blame the fish i could say I, we could have done more but this this is getting out of hand you know there have been games like this that we've won there have been games like this that we've, we've lost with this whole refereeing stuff and the way we're, we're nice. We don't complain. We don't, we don't get frustrated. You know, we fight through things. And the fact that we just continually get, get screwed in a way by this. You know, like we, we won this game, in my personal opinion. You know, but like I said, I'm going to give them credit. They won, whatever, cool. But like, it's getting ridiculous, KK. That this is, this is what's happened. I'm sick of it. To be honest with you, we all are. It, like, it, it eats me. It eats at me, man. It's, y'all know what it is. We all know what it is. But it's, it's really getting out of hand. It's really, really, really getting out of hand. Donovan Mitchell after the Jazz lose to the 76ers in overtime, 131 to 123. He went off. Expect he'll get fined. Rudy went off. I expect he'll get fined. There are no secrets. Everything on the Zoom calls is going right to the league and getting posted on the league website. And the Jazz go into the break with back-to-back losses for the first time since uh, the trip to New York City when they lost to the Nets and Knicks back-to-back. And they've lost three out of four on the trip and four out of seven. And PK, that was a lot of energy and a lot of emotion, but nothing changes the fact that they're now 27-9. and nine. Does not, man. I'm going to need help from our listeners this morning, though. We can get to this, but I, I got I to gotta stay true. I'm not one to complain about the refs, but I want others to do it. <laughs> it's like you. He's you in the like right it town, when there's man. controversy as long as it's not involving you. He's in the right town. There are plenty of people willing to uh, willing to go off on the refs. There's a long, Why did you hear from them this history. morning? A long history of that. It They've never, got to come through for me. It never changes anything, but there's a long history of that. Oh, it can change things. It may yeah. not change things that have already occurred, but it can change things that haven't occurred. Got to give a, uh, a nod to Embiid. 40 points, 19 rebounds, and he hit a really difficult pressure three with five seconds left to get the game to overtime. Now the Jazz off for nine days. They're back a week from tomorrow. So shutting it down, and they can stew in that for a while. I've got two criticisms that I want to throw at the Jazz, and I'm a second guesser. That's what I do. And we can get to that, too. All right. Second guessing coming up. I bet I can guess one of them. DJ and PK. Hashtag NBA. Harden now. Left wing, front court, three on the way. Good. 
James Harden with a three. He's got 27, and Houston needs a timeout. Levine at the point. Levine on the drive. Stops. Pops. Got it. A three ball on the right. Zach Levine with another triple X's his fourth in seven attempts. He's got 30. Same top of the key. Against Baseball. Steps back. Deep three. Buries it. Damian Lillard from same distance. And the Blazers lead 108-106. Down to seven seconds left. Over to Green. Green head fake. He dribbles. Goes up for the layup. It is no good. It's an offensive foul. Charge. Damian Lillard took the charge. Damian Lillard draws the charge with 3.3 left. Damian Lillard and the Blazers beating the Warriors 108-106 despite a 35-point performance from Steph Curry. And since referees are going to be the topic of the morning, PK, Steph Curry with a ridiculous circus shot, as Buller would say. Circus shot! Drive into the hoop, bangs in Ennis Canner, thought he was fouled. Hit the ground, looked at the refs. Meanwhile, he flings the ball from directly underneath the hoop. Flings it up on top of the backboard, and then it comes off the top of the backboard without hitting the shot clock, because that would have made it out of bounds. Off the top of the backboard, into the hoop, but no foul on Ennis Canter. And it's a two-point game. Heartbreak everywhere. Lillard didn't have that big a game. He had 22 points, but he hit big shots. Yeah, I couldn't get into any NBA last night after that. You know, obviously, you watched that game, and you just described that play in excruciating detail, but what does it matter? Lakers have lost 7 out of 10 now. They had a big early lead against the Sacramento Kings, but they lose 123-120. to 120. Lakers shorthanded. Uh, Buddy Hill went for 29 points, and the Kings get the victory. Best buddy since Elf. <laughs> nice. Uh, also in there, you heard uh, Rockets-Nets highlights. The Nets predictably win 132-114. James Harden has a triple and double in his return to Houston. Rockets have now lost... 13 in a row. How long will that streak get? I don't know. Uh, Mavericks, Thunder. A freakishly low-scoring game. Dallas wins it. I didn't think they played the fourth quarter. Yeah, I know, right? (laughs) Dallas wins 87-78. It's 19-94 again. 87-78, 87-78, they grind it out. I thought it was like baseball spring training. or We're done after six today. <laughs> we just don't have enough pitching, guys. We're going to call yeah. it right here. Right. Going to shut it down right here. Uh, Porzingis uh, went for 19-13 and 13 in that game. And so they get a win. The Mavs get a win without their star, without their big gun. Yeah. Get it done anyway. Get the victory. No Doncic. All right, short-form video content company Overtime announced it's launching a professional basketball league that will compensate high school-age players in hopes of funneling elite talent away from both high school and college basketball. Overtime will launch the league, Overtime Elite, in September. Going to target top-ranked elite players ages 16 to 18 who are willing to forfeit their remaining high school eligibility and future college eligibility to earn six figures. No travel, they can operate in one city and look for 30 players total from around the world. Teams will play each other and then also uh, American prep schools and uh, foreign clubs from other countries. Gives this thing a chance of working, PK? Unorthodox, outside of the box. But money talks. No, no I mean, yeah, money does talk. Hence, uh, Zion goes to Duke. We already know money talks. Mm-hmm. It's been talking for a long time. 
No, you're gonna. It's the same. It's the re- reason why kids wouldn't want to go to the G League. You're gonna play in front of 500 people sometimes, as opposed to being big man on campus for a few months. DJ and they're, already getting, they're already getting money in the interim. If they don't think that, you're naive. Hashtag college basketball. Utah gets 23 points from Timmy Allen. Had a lead midway through the game, but Oregon State rallies, takes control, and turns the Ute turnovers into a 75-70 win for the Beavers. And Utah drops to 10-12. and 12. A winnable game slipping away as the up-and-down season continues. Aggies tonight playing Wyoming, 7.30. Scotty G's got the call on the zone. Pre-game show at 7. Game tips off at 7.30. Aggies firmly on the bubble. Definitely need the win tonight. 16-7 overall, 13-4 in the league. And they get the Cowboys. Makeup game from earlier this year. Where's the game? I think it's in Logan. They're in Logan for this one, and then on the weekend they're at Fresno. Big Sky action. Weber State hosts Northern Colorado, 7 o'clock. Southern Utah's on the road at Portland State. Weber State, SUU, and Eastern Washington in a crazy three-way race in the Big Sky. And, of course, it'll all come down to the tournament to see who, the conference tournament to see who goes to the NCAA tournament. DJ and PK. Hashtag NFL. I, I will answer the call, you know, if, if it's made. As it pertains to Sam, I mean, I, like I said, Sam, Sam's a, we think, a dynamic player in this league with unbelievable talent and who's really, really has a chance to really hit his outstanding potential moving forward. But, um, you know, like I said earlier, if calls are made, I, I will I will answer them. I think Derek Carr had his best year yet under John Gruden. I think he's one of the top quarterbacks in the NFL, and we couldn't be happier with him. But if you're asking me about Derek, I mean, I think John and I would both stand shoulder to shoulder and pound the table for Derek Carr. That's Mike Mayock, the Raiders GM, who also said, I have no idea who might call me for a trade or who might not call me. So he left the door open. Crazy offseason for quarterbacks. And that was Jets general manager Joe Douglas, who sounds like he's going to trade Sam Darnold. But, hey, you call me and you pay top dollar. Oh, yeah, of course. Why wouldn't they? Maintain the leverage. None of these guys or neither of these guys are untradeable. I don't see that. So, obviously, if somebody gives you an overwhelming deal and you can make your ball club better, I don't care what team you have. If you can make your team better, that's your job. And so you have to consider if somebody would give them uh, outrageous amounts of uh, players and picks for Tom Brady. I think Tampa Bay would consider it. I mean, you have to. Are they untradeable? I don't know. Are Watson and uh, Russell Wilson still in the league? Because Deshaun Watson's offered. Those two teams are going to be making moves. NFL announced they'll issue NFL Combine invitations to 323 players from 100 schools, even though there won't be a Combine. BYU had six players receive invitations. I guess Pro oh, Days... So I, can, I can win the lottery even though I get no money? Yeah, and Pro Days will have to, uh, will have to <laughs> suffice. They do have a crazy amount of film. They could go off all the tape. The video, since it's not film anymore. DJ and PK. Hashtag Major League Baseball. MLB is going to hold a, uh, a league-wide, leagues-wide, sport-wide, Lou Gehrig Day starting this season, honoring the Hall of Famer, the Yankee first baseman, whose grace and courage 
Fighting ALS inspired a group of those affected by disease to make June 2nd synonymous with him. So, got that to look forward to. Brack, uh, Jackie Bradley Jr. is lining, is landing. Ugh. Former Boston Red Sox center fielder, going to the Milwaukee Brewers for two years and $24 million. And he'll have an opt-out clause after the first year. So if he has a big year, can get some more money, he can go chase it. It's a very... Very NBA-ish type structure to the deal there. Right. Is Lorenzo Cain coming back? No idea. <laughs> Do you know who Lorenzo Cain is? <laughs> uh, Mr. and Mrs. Cain's favorite kid. <laughs> oh, he's their center fielder. He was the center fielder on the Royals when they won the all, uh, World Series. He's an all-star player. And so he... Uh, he sat out, I think, a good portion of last season, opted out because of the situation, so hadn't heard if he was coming back or not because there was a, uh, uh, Ian Desmond for uh, the Colorado Rockies who opted out last year, said he was going to opt out again this year. Yep. So I was just wondering if Kane was uh, doing the same thing as to why they would sign Jackie Bradley Jr., who's a very good defensive player who needs some help on the offense, but very good defensively. What is Trending is brought to you by Shamrock Plumbing. There's no job too big or too small. Get the personal touch with Shamrock Plumbing. Call them at 801-295-1690. That's Shamrock Plumbing. Coming up, Jazz hit the all-star break. Gives us a little bit of time to focus on college football, our spring football tour. Michelle Gardner, ASU beat writer for the Arizona Republic, will answer all of PK's questions. And ASU is playing the Utes and the Cougars. So... And SUU. And SUU, yes. Craig Bullerjack, TV voice of the Jazz, will be along at 9 o'clock to review all the crazy lists last night. We'll get his take on all of that. Coming up next, the question of the day. How disappointing was that? And we will get to that next. Stay with us, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. The Big Show with Jake Scott and Gordon Monson. I remember one time a good friend of mine and I went to the grocery store and he started throwing things over the aisle to me. And I had to catch it. A can of beans flies over it. I caught it. Then he threw a glass container of syrup. <laughs> if I hadn't caught it, uh, it would have been clean up in aisle five. That was a long setup for that joke. That wasn't a joke. That was a long setup for it. If I would have missed it, it would have been <clears throat> clean up. <laughs> no. Aisle five. No, that, that wasn't even the Then the, the CSI Miami theme starts. Right there. <laughs> if I hadn't caught it, uh, it would have been clean up in aisle five. Catch the Big Show weekdays from 2 to 7. Presented by Big O' Tires. The team you trust. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Hot Takes Toast brought to you by Jerry Signer Cadillac. Right now, you can get up to $6,000 in purchase allowance on the XT lineup. Experience the luxury you deserve by booking a test drive today at Jerry Signer Cadillac. Well... How frustrating was that? Mm. Jazz and the Sixers, big game, best record in the East, best record in the West. Overtime, felt a couple times like the Jazz were pulling away and going to win that thing, and the Sixers reeled them back in. And if you're the Jazz, you think they reeled them back in with some big-time help from the refs. And then Embiid hits a massive shot, and overtime is just all Philadelphia. 
<laughs> Clint says, well, it's pretty obvious to me the NBA doesn't want to see underprivileged kids get scholarships. All right, Clint, that's good. That's good work. And the NBA is the most woke league out there. And yet? Shut it down. All right, we got a long list of people waiting to uh, share their multiple levels of frustration. We got a few trolls who root for other teams willing to stir the pot and see if they can put some salt in the jazz wound. You had a couple things. It's always two with you. <laughs> what do you got? Well, I, if you want to complain about the rest, I can't do it. I got to stick to my. My credo of never doing it, so give us a call if you want to complain about the refs, because I can't do it. You have to do it. This is up to the listener today. If they want me to talk about refs, it's just not my thing. But I'm allowing them to, because I think it's justified. But I can't do it, because I made a commitment. I made a commitment before I even got to this life. One of the things I said before I left, I said, I can't complain about refs. I said, all right, well, we're okay with that. And they still sent me down here against all odds. Um, you know, Embiid hits that big three. Do we really want to switch off Embiid in the last seconds and have Bogdanovich guard him? Easier to shoot over. No, not really. Having said that, I thought Bogey got pretty close to him. Didn't want to foul a three-point shooter. I get that. That's not the question. The question is, do we really want him on? No, is what I said first. The first word answered. No. I know, but you, then you, you justified it. You don't want it uh, because Gobert's bigger and harder to shoot over. Right. So in that situation, and I'm not a basketball guy, and I'm sure Locke's got stats or this or that. They can prove me wrong and whatnot, whatever. I'm fine and all that. Uh, I just go by feel. This is entertainment to me. It's not life or death. Um, I would have liked to have seen Gobert stay with Embiid at all costs. Because I time and score, give up a two. Right? You're still up by one, right? Yep, it was a three-point game, and Embiid yeah. saw the clock when he stumbled and dropped the ball, and you could see it was just like a jolt of electricity, like... Well, we had 21 seconds, but now we got 10, and I better take a three. We're getting too late here to go for two. And he goes back. Does he go back behind the line if Gobert's on him? Uh, he might have. I don't. You know, I mean, I can't tell you for sure. He might have because I think he definitely realized. Okay, we're getting we're getting pretty late here with the clock. If they'd gone quicker and he'd caught it and you know been able to score, but psychologically, who do you have more confidence shooting over, Bogdanovich or Gobert? No, Bogey. You'd much rather shoot over the smaller guy. Yeah. So that's is, one thing. That's one. Is the other one, do you foul with 10 seconds left? Uh, nah, I'm okay with not doing that. Nah. If you want to, it seems a little early to do that. Yep. But if you want to do that, that's fine. That's your call. If you don't want to do it, fine. But I just want my best defensive player, who's the best defensive player on the planet, or so I've been told many times over, I want him on their best offensive player. And that didn't happen. And uh, maybe there was double screens and picks and diving to the post and flashing on this or that and all this basketball jargon you want to throw at me. That's all well and good. But I would prefer to have Gobert on Embiid in that situation because I think having confidence to take the shot in a lot of cases is nearly or just as or more important than actually taking the shot. 100% true. 
And then Joe Ingles had it going on big time, and they take him out because you're supposed to take him out. And you say, well, who should they take him out for? Uh, yeah, name the guy. <laughs> uh, probably Roy, probably Conley, but you could have taken somebody else out. Uh, Royce O'Neal? I mean, in that situation there, uh, they were going to go at Bogdanovich no matter who you you had. I mean, but they, the, the, the overtime was just Tobias Harris going at Bogdanovich the whole time. Yeah, I was a little surprised because Embiid had it going. It took the ball out of Embiid's hands, but it worked. They got and buckets, so it didn't matter. So, so uh, Bogdanovich, take him out. I mean, Joe, Quinn Snyder told us that Joe got on the court because of his defense. That's how he actually first got out on the court way back when. So you're telling me that he was a defender first uh, and maybe Joe couldn't have uh, stopped anything. But I'm not paid to first guess. I'm paid to second guess. And those are a couple things. Joe had it going on. I mean, he was one of those games where you could tell, man, and he was, what was he, six or seven? And he had all the confidence in the world and nothing. He was just sitting on the bench at the end and the entire overtime. I mean, he just had to make sure that the security guard was okay when Donovan kicked the uh, water cooler or whatever it was. And that was it. I would have liked to have seen Joe out there in that situation. And and if you've got the sixth man of the year, apparently he's the sixth man of the year. We've been told that. I mean, he wasn't even out there for the last ten minutes of the game then. So those are just a couple things. But if we want to get to the refs, Complain away. I'll be open to any complaint about the refereeing. Well, I won't because I think what happened in the post game is going to hurt them down the line. It's hurt them before. We don't have to guess. We know. We've seen it. You know, refs see stuff. They hear stuff. They read stuff. And if they don't, they still get told about it and it gets back to them. I mean, we don't. We don't. I know. I know. Plenty of people can start posting about Dick Bavetta and whatever call Kobe got. Um, he fouled the hell out of me, you know, and then the replay says he does. I mean, this has been going on forever, and it doesn't change anything. But you can just stay really recent. A little more than two years ago, Gobert went off. Dwayne Wade got fouled at the end of a game, or didn't get fouled, if you're a Jazz fan. And he hits free throws and wins the game, and Gobert goes off. And he gets fined for it, fifteen grand. And then the next game, he gets called for a foul on the jump ball to start the game. Is one second off the clock, and he's in the book with a foul. And three minutes in, they kick him out. And everybody who watched that, who called our show, I, I don't know, maybe it was a Saturday night game and it was Monday, but probably the next day, everybody who watched that thought, well, that was retribution for what just happened. I don't think saying that stuff is going to get you any calls down the road. I think it's probably going to hurt you. You know, if you're going to go, if you want to complain about the refs and, you know, in a game with a gazillion judgment calls, there's always going to be stuff to complain about. And if you want to complain about the refs, hold it in and use it for fuel. Look at look at the biggest winners. Look at the biggest winners. Look at look at Jordan. Look at Belichick. Man, Belichick is always on to Cincinnati, on to Cincinnati. That's after the game, though. They played. The way they played in Philly, 
If they could have summoned that energy in New Orleans, they would have won that game. They played much better in that Philly game. And there was stuff going on all through the game that was driving them nuts. Quinn, who doesn't want to say anything after the game because I think he thinks it doesn't work and it doesn't pay off, he's just as mad or as frustrated and sees no, no calls. It's 92-90 in the fourth quarter, and Quinn's already irritated. And Conley goes to the hoop, and Conley thought he was fouled. It was in front of the Jazz bench. They clearly thought he was fouled. And Philly goes down and scores, and Quinn calls timeout. And you can see the camera cuts to him, and he is so mad. He is so mad. But it, it doesn't help to go off after the game. I mean, he's out there on the court, and he's waving his arm. He's clearly furious with the ref. So you're criticizing the players for it, going off it after doesn't, the game. It doesn't pay off. So you're criticizing the players yes, for going off Yes, it the doesn't game. pay off. Yeah, see, I, I don't. I think they're human beings. And the frustration got the best of them. Yep. And I can live with that. And we okay. see this all the time from other teams. Yep, we I do. Mean, I can't expect these guys to be perfect. I know we hold them up to be these unbelievable people and all that stuff. And that's fine. You can have the fantasies all you want. And maybe it's real. I really don't care uh, as long as they're not breaking the law. Uh, but they feel like uh, they're frustrated in the moment. And you've got 10 minutes and, and they, you, yep. they're supposed to go up there and answer questions. I will allow a human being to be a human being. Yes, in the moment, and that's fine. But well, we watched the you. we watched the. No, it's all understandable because you're right. They are human beings, and they are in the moment. And we've all done it, and I've done it a hundred times over. But okay. if you really want to win, Jordan was. We watched that whole documentary. We had nothing to do. He was gassed, and he summoned energy by getting mad about stuff. He summoned energy by getting mad about stuff that didn't even happen that he made up. And so yeah, and when you're at, that mad, sit on it and use it for 31, 32, yep. 33, 34. Yep. Mitchell's 24. Yep. <laughs> Let's never forget that, which is actually good. <laughs> he is 24. He's got <laughs> at 44. Uh, I'm not sure I was grown up. I'm not sure I am now. <laughs> uh, in terms of being anything close. My emotions get the best of me probably 10 times a day. Uh, that's exaggeration. That's not true, but, uh, you get the point. So let it out. Why not let it out? They don't, they don't have a game for, uh, eight days. Okay. Well, let it out. The next time this happens on the next road trip, you're going to have another back to back. And clearly, even though they're pretty deep and they're playing nine games, you know, we've seen their level drop when they play these back to backs on the road. You know, Mm -hmm. we've seen it twice this year. And one time they fought through it against Indiana and then in New Orleans, they didn't. And, you got to use this kind of stuff for fuel. It's what the best well, do. New Orleans and, was the first game, wasn't it? Or no, it wasn't back. No, New Orleans was, Orlando was. New Orleans was Monday. They played back to back in Miami and Orlando on Friday and Saturday, and I thought they were gassed in New Orleans. And so when you're looking for something, and that's that's the whatever it takes, you know. Yeah, it's <laughs> let all things, that rage though. and all that fuel against the refs. I mean, that thing, it's always in the background. It, it never goes away. Conley had an epic bite that gets, um, why, you know, it, it gets lost in, uh, in Donovan and, and, to a lesser degree, Rudy. But, but Conley was asked if, you know, are you getting a, a different whistle? Do you feel like, you know, you, you guys are getting a different whistle? And he said, I, I felt like that my whole career. <laughs> Referencing, obviously, he was in Memphis, smaller market, not glamorous. He doesn't get picked for the All-Star game there. And, yeah, I mean— He's 33 years old. It never changes. Right. So he's got maturity on these guys. But you can still learn from what happened. 
Sure. And who's to say they won't? I do. Well, there you go. <laughs> but that, so we that agree. <laughs> no, I, I disagree completely about them not being able to pop off. You don't think they'll learn from this or that they could learn from well, this? Uh, that's not the question. My question is, should they be able to, was it okay for them to pop off? Uh, that's the question I'm answering. Should they be able to pop off after the game? Yeah, have at it, man. You got real emotion. You felt you got jobbed. I mean, there was no question Embiid ran over Gobert on that one bucket there at the end of regulation. Just friggin' ran, ran him, him over. over. Yeah, I know. Like he was a truck and and Gobert was a, on a bike. And there was no call whatsoever. That was absolutely ridiculous. So if I'm these guys and invest all this emotion and I feel like I got jobbed, absolutely I'm going to go off. It, it, ten minutes later, no less. Not an hour later. Ten minutes later. Yeah, and and, and Donovan came out so quick, which everyone yeah. everyone appreciates because there are people who have you know taken forever to come out. Stockton made a career of it, and so Donovan was probably out in under ten minutes. I mean, he was out fast, and, yeah. and partly, obviously, he was already back there because he'd been kicked out. Well, seconds. Yeah. Yeah. In the final seconds. Still so took it, a couple minutes to play the last 30, but he didn't have to come out that fast, and he did. So, so everyone yeah, who wants so to quote appreciates like that. Going up to him almost on an on court interview, practically, from the time that it's, it's so. so I didn't quick. have time to go to the bathroom, and he's already answering questions. He's fired up. He's 24 years old, man. Have at it, Donovan. Give me some real emotion. I finally get real emotion, and I'm going to tell these guys, don't give me real emotion because some Yahoo three months from now might remember it and call a foul on you? Nah, I'm not worried about that. I'm in the moment. Live your life in the moment rather than worry about what's going to possibly happen down the road. Some I don't know the names of these referees. I couldn't tell you one name of the referee. I don't get into that at all. It's, to me, it's entertainment. It's like try. I don't know who the producer of some movie is when I go to it. I'm not. I know who the stars are. Like, cause I want to be entertained. That's so. This sports is nothing but entertainment to me, and so that's the way I take it. So I don't know who these auxiliary people are. I don't care about it. Uh, as a fan, doesn't matter to me. For others, fine. If it does to you, go ahead and do it. But I, I, I got to allow these guys to be who they are. That's where they got to where they were by being who you are. And now I'm going to criticize them for coming out and saying something like that? Absolutely not. I'm going to pat them on the back, and then when you wake up today, it's going to bug you a little bit. But by dinner time tonight, you moved on, and, and uh, you got to make your way to Atlanta for Gobert and Mitchell. And then you come back uh, whenever they reconvene, if it's Wednesday of next week, whatever the schedule is. Then you attack the second half of the schedule. It'll be fine that way. That's the way I would approach it. So more power to them for saying And if they get fined, so be it. They got money to burn. What's the difference? I mean, the amount of money that they're going to get fined, who gives a crap? These guys are millionaires a million times over. So and then that doesn't matter. That's, that's all symbolic. Jamie says, I mean, this is the Jazz. We all know deep down we'll never win a championship. The disappointment is all we've really got. Got some thumbs up and some laughing for that. Disappointment is all we really got. Getting out of town. That's like, uh, so I'm going to go to a movie. Oh, and it's not going to win some, well, they got 5,000 award shows. These Hollywood people just think they're all that and pat themselves on the back and give themselves awards. And we're supposed to uh, be forced to watch it on television. I'll never watch another one of those shows again. But it's like, I'm not going to go to the movie because it didn't win an Oscar. That's ridiculous. Enjoy the moment, man. That's what it's about. Because moments, uh, uh, either sooner or later, moments are going to be gone. 
<laughs> and you're not going to have them. And they're going to be over. And so enjoy the moment while you got it. And they've provided to, to date some pretty good, fun moments. And that was an exciting game. And it didn't turn out the way you want from the Jazz perspective. I get all that. And most of our listeners, that's who we're talking to. I sympathize with you. I can't suffer a major letdown. That's just never the way I've been wired. But I get that you can. So, And then you have a few days off here. Get back at it. And, and you get to see your guy coach the All-Star game. That's pretty good. That, there's no refereeing involved in that or any of that stuff. That's something that you earn. And they can't give it to you because you're somebody's son or whatnot or who whatever. No, you earn that. And so turn on the TV Sunday night and watch Quinn Snyder. And because I don't know whoever the announcers are going to be, Doris or whomever, they're going to get y'all give you nothing but praise there. So just wallow in that. Plenty of good times ahead, people. I mean, Brandon's going to agree with me. If he doesn't agree with me, I'll, I won't talk the rest of the morning. Bull. 855-340-ZONE. <laughs> 855-340-ZONE. I got to call him like a CMPK. That was a quick whistle. Good call. Good that was call. a qu- quick whistle. All right, let's head to Brandon. Oh, Brian. Brian, good morning. Good morning, guys. Thanks for taking my call. You don't sound hey, like a Brandon. Uh, nice. Thank you. <laughs> no, not a Brandon jack, at all. Jack, jack, jack. Um, But uh, I was just calling. This is why I think everyone gets so frustrated and wants to give up watching sports sometimes is because of the, 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 the no calls at the end of the games. The, the, like, cause I, I don't know, like it's so stupid that if it's a foul in the first quarter, it should be a foul in the fourth quarter. And I'm so tired of hearing like announcers and everyone, Oh, you got to swallow the whistle. If you're a referee, you can't call that. It, I, I'm a true believer. The integrity of the game, if it's a foul, it's a foul, call it. It doesn't matter what time it is. And if, if you haven't been making that call the whole game, then you shouldn't be calling it at the end of the game. Uh, that's the way that I look at it. I, I don't know how you guys see it, but that, that's why I get so frustrated and, and on and well, off with uh, NBA I, I basketball. Wonder in that, I wonder in that situation, though, if they thought, well, it's the end of the game, so I can't call a foul, or they thought that's not a foul. And so that's not a foul at any point. I thought Embiid running over Gobert was probably the most flagrant non-call that I've seen in a good while. I I think it's I think it's a case of they think that they can't call it at the end okay. of the game because there's just too often that they do that, and 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 that's why everyone thinks that there's a conspiracy theory in the NBA is because a lot of times you know the 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 stars get the the foul calls or the non calls uh and and the people that are the, on the lower end of the totem pole get those calls or or they you know they just don't call anything <laughs> and and it just makes that other team or fan base think man it's fixed and i think that's why everyone thinks you know especially in this market cuz we've had so many questionable calls i feel like uh that, that should have been called or calls like you remember the Kobe Bryant one where uh, Rajah yeah, Bell yes. uh, was like a foot away from his arm and they called a foul. That's why everyone thinks that there's conspiracy theories. I, I don't know. It's just so frustrating. To All see right. Stuff thanks like for that. the call, Brian. Thanks for the call. I do think that the think issue is Devin Brown, not Rajah Bell. And I think you're right. And I do think that the issue in this game was more no calls. Uh, the one you're talking about late. Uh, was pretty flagrant, but I think Tobias that, Harris traveling. I think there were a lot of no calls in the middle of the game 
that we have forgotten now that we're setting off the coaches because Quinn really, oh, yeah, yeah. You he really Quinn tries to stay away from this stuff, and I just can't underline <clears throat> how unusual it is for him he to be fired. that hot with 10 minutes to go in the fourth quarter. Yeah, so yeah. all the stuff that happened at the end of the game, he was already on fire. You could oh, see it in his sure. eyes. You could. You know what? I, I didn't understand that uh, Royce O'Neal thing where the ball hit the referee. Why and, review that? Well, if the ref I thought, if it hit him, I thought it hits the. I thought the the referee is like he's not there, so it doesn't matter if it hits him. If he's in bounds, he's. I part didn't of, know that. Yeah, if he's in bounds, he's part of the game. If he's out of bounds, then he is literally part of out of bounds. It's like hitting the floor out of bounds. But he never reacted. But but it shouldn't be. I would agree with you, PK, but that's how the rule's written. Is if he's and, if oh, that's a dumb rule. Yeah. I mean, did the referee, if it hits him, it, 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 it every hits little him, thing, so be it. And the players didn't talk about that specifically, but we've seen players try to get out of the way of the ball before, or referees try to get out of the way of a ball, even when they're out of bounds, and he didn't flinch. He didn't flinch one inch. Exactly. And so I think that it, when you're already irritated and on fire. That's going to irritate you. If it hit the ref, it doesn't need to be reviewed. The ref can just look at him and say, the ball hit me, Philly ball, and point Philly's way. And they go over and review it, so nobody's thinking it's about the ball hitting the ref. Everybody thinks it's about the foot. So, yeah, but if, if it hit the referee, then the play would have been dead and the Jazz would have no complaint anyway. I don't, I don't right. know why would they... Right. Because they don't think it hit the ref, or why didn't the ref know well, so it I would hit him? Want, I would want them to review it if I were the Jazz. Right. But once you were reviewing it, then it should be about the foot, not the ball hitting the ref. I think that you can look Maybe at that. Maybe he didn't know if, it hit him. If you're already, you don't know Maybe the ball hit you? It's coming yeah. right at you. You would know if the ball hit I you or not. Not necessarily. Is, mm. is it a glancing blow? I mean, if you're so into the game and something maybe nicks your foot, I disagree on that completely. Uh, that you you would be into refereeing the game. You're not looking down, and you didn't feel it, and it just barely nicked your foot or whatever it might be. Maybe you could think that that wasn't Caught the ball hitting me. leg. If I'm going to make an excuse for him, maybe he thinks that Royce hit him, not the ball. Well, if you're into the game and your eyes are not down. You feel yeah. if the ball hit you. <laughs> well, but apparently he didn't, though, unless, unless you're claiming that uh, – he they was wanted. Weak. They wanted Philly to win. Yeah, I mean that. If you you can't go the, thing is, the other way without going the one way too. Yeah, and the thing is, deep down, for all the people who are in the conspiracy theories, I don't really think they want Philly to win. <laughs> well, who the they, hell is Philly? Right. Thank you. You're worried about the Nets for some stupid reason. You're not I worried think, about Philadelphia. I, yeah, I mean, if you're going to go deep into what's the cons- show, and what's Embiid ever done? If you're going to go deep into a conspiracy theory, you want Nets Lakers, and as a fallback, you want Nets Clippers, but you really want Nets Lakers. You don't want the Jazz or the Sixers. I mean, if that's well, the, no one's thinking that in the yeah. moment, that's preposterous. So I'm not even going to address that. Uh, there's plenty of people thinking on our Facebook page. Not <laughs> They're from already, the league perspective, they already think, yeah, oh, the league doesn't you're, you're, want you're, the Jazz. You're, you're speaking as if you were a league member right now, not a fan. Right. Speaking as and a league member, I don't member. think anybody from the league in the moment is thinking that. That that I, I would buy that the entire LAPD framed OJ before I bought that. <laughs> and how can how ridiculous that is. That's your privilege right there. You want privilege, I'll give you privilege, and that's money. Colton doesn't think that it's any conspiracy or anything. He just thinks they're bad. That officiating crew needs to be sent to the G League. I don't even know who it was. I couldn't tell you. <laughs> I couldn't I, no I could either. Yeah. I don't, doesn't uh, matter to me who they are. 
I think one thing that nobody wants to accept is that a percentage of calls are just always going to be missed during games. There, there, there's too many decisions made too fast. It's too hard to referee. Sure. There's going to That's be That's why calls. you look at free throws and then total number of free throws. If they're within two or three, you, you just basically blow it off. But this game, they weren't within two or three. It was 35 three. to 19 in this game. Yeah. That's a significant difference. Now, I realize there's a couple of fouls at the end that padded it a little bit to uh, get get it up there, but that was a significant difference. Hence, one of the reasons that Gobert and Mitchell went off. And more power to them for going off. That, to me, man... I'd much rather have them go off than to just blow you it off like the on, on to Cincinnati. Get you out like, of town. You like the emotion and knowing how much they care. Absolutely, and Mitchell, man. Mitchell more than a Gobert. Gobert's already been out there so many times. But Mitchell more than Gobert, I thought, pulled the curtain back on that. He's barely getting started, and he's all worked up. Right on, Donovan. Power to Donovan. Yeah, I love that stuff because that shows me just how much he cares. And the fact that he got kicked out was even better. Yeah. The game's over. You weren't going to win it at that point, so what's the difference if you get ejected? Uh, But let them know what you think. Now, don't do that all the time. I don't want Draymond Green here, and then Draymond Green says something, you know, two seasons later after a slew of technicals and acts like, oh, I'm getting picked on. I mean, come on, to that level, no. Of course you're getting picked on because you've earned the reputation to be picked on. So I'm not talking about that, but we watch every game, and I haven't seen Mitchell act like that ever. So this is the first time. Don't make it a pattern, which his prior behavior would dictate and indicate that he's not going to make it a a pattern. So there's really nothing to worry about there. DJ and PK, break time. we got more reaction coming up. You want to follow in Brian's shoes, 855-340-ZONE. You can hit us up on Facebook, DJ and PK. On Twitter, David DJ James. Grab your phone, use the app, use the open mic feature, send us your audio, y'all will get it on the air. Your takeaways after the Jazz lose to the Sixers. They are off to the All-Star break now. Coming up, 15 minutes, spring football tour. Michelle Gardner, Arizona State beat writer for the Arizona Republic. The Utes, the Cougars, and the Thunderbirds playing the Sun Devils this year. Talked with Michelle in about 15 minutes. Stay with us. Now let's get this party started. This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network. Have we ever talked to John on the air? No, no, and I've got questions. Is he there? I'm here. Hey, John, how are hey, you? Hey, John. I'm good. How are you guys? Uh, John, yeah. while we have you. No, no. We've had a, uh-huh. a, a long back and forth about a pitchfork incident. I want to know the details of my buddy here and your brother running a pitchfork through you. <laughs> we were out working and, you know, cleaning our hands or whatever you want to call it. And uh, he thought that he was like King Triton and he uh, threw that pitchfork and uh, oh. that is <laughs> true enough. He sat on the mark and put it right underneath the kneecap. Did you throw a trident? Yeah, I killed a guy with a trident. Hanson Scotting, weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. DJ PK brought to you apart by Zero Res. Dirt, dust, dander, and allergens are no match for Zero Res carpet cleaning. Want the contaminants gone? Call Zero Res. Right now, just $33 per room to get your carpet Zero Res clean, but minimum supply. Call them at 801-288-9376 or schedule online. Zero Res carpet cleaning. Well, PK, events... And the end of the game have overtaken all the storylines we were talking about yesterday morning. But 
Yesterday morning, we were talking about what kind of effort and energy are they going to come out with? How are they going to play? And I thought the answer to that was largely good. Now, we do have some people oh, here yeah, on Facebook yeah. saying, uh, uh, you know, there was too much one-on-one play, not enough ball movement down the stretch. And I would, uh, I'd underline that and put an exclamation point on it. And I get that uh, they have some success with the isolation stuff, especially with Donovan and Jordan. Uh, maybe a little bit with bogey too, but when the ball moves, and it did it really, it really did well at times in that Philly game. When the ball moves, Philly couldn't defend them. Most teams can't defend them, and I think that as we get later in the season here, and as you see teams try to adjust, I think the more they lean on that, and the less they lean on the isolation stuff. And there'll always be a place for it, and always be matchups you want to exploit. So it's not like it's all done and going to go away, but. I think they have more success when the ball moves. And they, you know, they were, I thought the ball was, you know, the ball was sticking. Great basketball cliche, right? The ball was sticking and it was less movement. And then there's one possession late and they need a bucket and it's in the final minutes and they zip it around and go bare. The rotation breaks down. Too many guys trying to move in concert. It's hard to do for a long time. It breaks down and Gobert gets a dunk underneath the room. And the, the, the Sixers guys are just looking at each other like, I thought you had him. I thought you were supposed to be there. It was awesome. And I think the more they lean on that, the better off they're going to be. Okay, sure. Yeah, I don't have any problem with that, but I'm not going to criticize them in the moment there. They're trying to win a game and yep. do what they think is best, and they're caught up. It was an extremely emotional game. That's what I said. It was a statement game. I said that yesterday. Obviously, the way they played, the way both teams played, it was a statement game. And both teams wanted it bad, and so they didn't play their best down the stretch. I understand. That's what I'm, I'm looking for them to learn from. Uh, and go through it and review it and get better. That's why it was not a wasted effort as far as I'm concerned. And, and in terms of the effort, I give them an A+. Plus. I, mean, I, I thought they balled out. It wasn't perfect by any stretch, nor do I expect it to be. And so they're going to make mistakes. And they made, as you just want to say, you know basketball more than I do, so you can break that down as you just did. So be it. Uh, that's why I, I thought I would like to see Joe in there because he moves the ball, mm-hmm. and and then they look for Joe. And Joe, most of the time, if not all the time, every one of his points is scored off some form of ball movement. He's not necessarily a break it down one on one type of player. So uh, I would have loved to seen him in there because he has a tendency to inspire everybody else to move the ball. So yeah, it happened. And, and, and learn from it. But the effort was there. The intensity was awesome. You can't tell me that was just a regular season game in a slew of regular season games that didn't mean something a little bit more because it did. It is just a regular season game. I understand that, and it'll always be. But it was clear. It was clear from Embiid. Go read the quotes from Embiid where some Philly people in the media were uh, hinting and saying that he was afraid to play Gobert. That's oh, yeah. why he sat out. And and uh, so he went after that, and he had some dripping sarcasm <laughs> to where he looked like he was, yeah, I was afraid, wasn't I? Those types of things. So that's what it's all about, man. His manhood was challenged to an extent, and he responded. He's a prolific offensive player. There's absolutely no question about that. And so even with that, even with that, the Jazz had their opportunities. And our fans... Jazz fans and listeners to DJ and PK and listeners to 1280 and 97.5, they will insist that the refs stole it from them. And that's part of being a fan. Yeah, so I I don't like to complain about the refs, but I will allow today's the day to complain about the refs. You're shocking me. You're stunning me with this. But I'm not going to do it. I want (laughs) them to do it. Yeah, but you don't even want them to do it. I know, but today, today's the day. 
This is the yeah, one. The, the out whole of point is you you got to get it out of your system. That's mm. my point. You can't keep it bottled up. Today is your day to complain about the refereeing. Chris, hashtag rigged. NBA refs are making good money tonight. (laughs) (laughs) Neil, we got jobbed, dash, again. All caps. A-G-A-I-N, all uppercase, huh? Kevin. (laughs) Yeah, oh yeah, I had to yell. That's why I had to yell. (laughs) When when people go all caps, I got to yell. If you hit caps lock, I'm yelling. Sure. Kevin says, very frustrating. Yeah. Oh, I agree. Cord says, it is what it is. They'll be all right. Deep breath. They'll be all right. Everything going to be all right. Justin, I wonder what the excuses will be in April. Cameron, Justin, shut up, bro. Lucky for you, you're my bud. No, he means May this year. In April, or April will still be regular season this year. You're right about the calendar. <laughs> it'll be uh, it'll be mid May before the playoffs start. So a second round playoff series will be early June. The finals will be in June. Yeah, July. I don't think the Jazz will start playoffs till what? At least like the twentieth, right? Something like that. Yeah, because yeah. they have to let that tournament thing that they, they do. got going on first. Yep. That's got to play out. I guess the advantage of staying in one of the top two C's will be getting seven or eight because they'll, um, they'll have less off time. And in the case of eight, if I, if I understand the format right, they're basically going to have no off time. Because seven wins that first game, so they'll have a break while eight plays nine. I like it. Yeah, so we'll worry about that when we get there. But uh, Grind right into it. Right now, I, I like the idea of uh, not penalize the team or the teams who aren't as good, but reward the teams who are better. You know, finally, baseball did that. Uh, reward the teams for winning a division. And, uh, and that, 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 to me, that made sense. Don't just put them all in the same thing as if you didn't, there was no difference. So, yeah, make those other teams go through a little bit more of a, a grind, I guess you could say. DJ and PK coming up. Eight o'clock hour. We got more on the Jazz, more reaction to the loss in Philadelphia, the refereeing, the big possessions down the stretch. Going one and three on a road trip. All of that. But next, Michelle Gardner, ASU B writer for the Arizona Republic. The Sun Devils are playing the Utes, the Cougars, and the SUU Thunderbirds. Got a chance to win the state title. We'll talk with Michelle about the Devils next. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. We are joined now by Michelle Gardner, ASU beat writer for the Arizona Republic. Michelle, good morning. I'm great. I'm doing great. How are you guys doing this morning? We are doing well. But I want to give you a warning here, Michelle. First off, you got a lot of fans listening closely to this because ASU opens the season in Southern Utah, and then Game 3 is at BYU, and then in mid-October, uh, mid-season, they're up to play the Utes. Now, on top of that, I went to UC Santa Barbara. I got, I got no, I got no uh, horse in this race. But my, my partner here, PK... He's, he's teleporting himself right now to January 1st, 1987, and the happiest Sun Devil moment ever after the Rose Bowl victory. So he'll be going over everything you say with a fine-tooth comb. So be on, be on okay. your A-game. You, you have no idea the lion's den you're about to step into with the, with the Devils here. Okay. Now, having said that, uh, there's been um, a lot of hype 
and a lot of pub for Herm. Uh, but now we're getting into year three or year 2.5. I don't know. It depends on how you score whatever it was that just passed for a, a football season. When we hear people say they're primed for a big year, you're covering the team. Do you feel that or do you feel like people are getting a little ahead of themselves? No, I think this is going to be the year for them most likely. Um, they returned 20 of 22 starters. So, you know, now you've got guys that have been in the program under Herm. I think there might be two or three guys that he didn't recruit, but this is a team that he's pretty much recruited by hand. He's got a coaching staff that's all his guys. So I thought maybe last year would be the year, and then it unfolded the way it did, so obviously it was not. Um, But I definitely think that this year could be their year. But, you know, ASU people have been – They've gotten used to being disappointed, you know. So, you know, there are there. There's a lot large segment of the fan base that's all in and thinks this is going to be the year. And then there's a segment of the fan base that goes, "Hey, I'm going to hold out hope," you know, because I've been disappointed before. So it's kind of both. Yeah, you look at last season and you know his Herm's third year there. It's not a full season, so you really can't. Uh evaluated completely obviously i think they were they only played what four games is that what it was they played one of the fewer games out there of any division one team yeah it was four games and games one and two were interrupted by a one month break yeah yeah, yeah. uh so four games a month break in between those two games you got a new offensive coordinator you're breaking in a new defense so it was just kind of a tough go for a lot of reasons so defensively, I think they're supposed to return everybody. Uh, I look at that, and there's a bunch of kids who came back. Maybe they could have gone for the draft or didn't want to return for eligibility. I think that Crosswell uh, was the one kid who left, but he had gotten beaten out in the secondary, and then they ended up suspending him, I think, at the end of the season anyway. Uh, defensively, they should be really, really strong. The thing that bothered me is they allowed, obviously, uh, the two L.A. schools to score at the end of the game. Is that anything that the Devils should be concerned about as far as that being a pattern, or will they be that much better this next season? No, I I think that the defense is going to be much better. What they need to do is they need to improve. They were ninth against the run, ninth against the pass. So obviously when you return every starter, you expect that to not be the case this year. But what they did do very well is they were first in scoring defense and they were first in the country in takeaway ratio. So they did some things well, and maybe it's bend but don't break, but they need to give up less yardage in between the 20s. Um, Shari Crosswell was the one loss, if you can call it a loss. He lost his starting spot going into the USC game. So he, even though he had started for two years, technically he wasn't a starter at the start of the season. Um, so, you know, maybe it's a little bit of a loss, maybe not. But, you know, guys like Chase Lucas, Evan Fields, Merlin Robertson, uh, most people thought that the two seniors were going to be done and gone, and some people thought Merlin would declare for the draft. So early on when those guys came back, and Jack Jones also, the other corner, when those guys all decided to come back, people kind of started getting excited because they're like, you know what, if those guys are coming back and everybody thought they were going to be gone, then there's a good thing going here. So that's I, I expect the defense to be much improved over last year. So under the theory that uh, you're back, you should be better, but you're not always better, what, what is it they're trying to get better at? You bring up this ninth 
against the run and against the pass. I mean, is it is it missed tackles? Is it scheme? They concede a lot of yards in front of them because they do bend, don't break. Is it blown assignments? What happens? You know, it's kind of hard to say. I, I don't think they were terrible because they, they made some really great plays. I, I think Merlin Robertson played phenomenal against USC, um, then not so well in the next couple of games, and then he played great in the last game. But it was, it was just maybe some big plays here or there. Uh, I think they were better tackling than they were in the previous year, so I don't necessarily think that was the issue. I just think it was, it was big plays, and it was also failure to get off the field on third down. If I had to pick one thing, I would say failure to get the third down stop. Against USC, the defense was on the field for 95 plays. That's obscene. So I I think third down stops is the area they need to improve on. So you look at their offense. I think Herm is an old school guy and uh, NFL guy, obviously, and it reminds me a lot of what Utah does with uh, Kyle Whittingham in terms of we're going to run the ball, and so they've got a couple good running backs there who had uh, they were new, the junior college kid, and then uh, Trayon, the freshman from Ohio, looks like he's going to be a star. But my thought for you is, with that in mind, since they're such so run oriented. Why would Thompson, the kid from Utah, leave one running-oriented school and go to another run-oriented school? You know what? That kind of I was kind of curious about that myself. And ASU's got a lot of receivers. Now, they've said they're not necessarily going to be run-heavy. They want it to be maybe 55-45. And a lot of the reason they were run-heavy last year was, at least early, was because you're breaking in a lot of wide receivers or new new kids in the wide receiver position. Um, you had a new offense. You didn't have any of spring practice. And this offense is a little bit complicated, a lot of shifts, a lot of motions. So that's kind of why they leaned on the run early and, and didn't pass as much. Frank Darby, who is one of the lone losses at, at, at on the offensive side of the ball, he got hurt very early in the USC game. So when he went down, basically all the receivers left were freshmen or sophomores that didn't play a lot. So, you know, Jaden hadn't had a, a chance to really develop that chemistry with those guys, be it, be it no spring practice hardly, and then being early in the season. So that's why the passing game struggled a little bit early and they had to rely on the run. So speaking of Jaden Daniels, and we're talking Arizona State football right now, our spring football tour continues with Michelle Gardner, ASU beat writer for the Arizona Republic. Uh, in the shortened season last year, he completes 58% of his passes. As a freshman, he's just a shade under 61%. Most coaches want 65 Now, ASU loves to throw the deep ball, and he throws a pretty deep ball. So are they okay with what he's doing? The, he limits the interceptions. He's great at that. But does he need a higher completion percentage, or what he's doing is good, and that's how they're going to play? No, I think I think it'll get better just because now he's a junior. But again, in the USC game, I'm going to go back to that. Johnny Wilson had four flat-out drops, mm. like drops. Um, so you can't fault Jaden for that. So um, I think that he's going to be much better in that regard. Just again because he's 
had he's getting a chance now to get on the same page with these wide receivers. So I think that'll get a little bit better. Um, you know, you look at some of and, and again going back to the ratio of run versus pass. Some of the other dynamics didn't less necessarily lend themselves to huge passing numbers. You know, they got up on Arizona 42-7 at the half, so they didn't pass a lot in the second half. Um, the Oregon State game was cold and rainy, so they kind of kept the ball on the ground because they have good running backs. So I know his numbers were very pedestrian when you look at them on the surface, but you kind of have to look at all the things that went into them. Line, it seems like Herm, since he's been there, has been somewhat patchwork, and a lot of it is getting uh, transfer guys to come in. And we know that if you want to run the ball or throw the ball, you better be good up front. How's the offensive line look this season? Well, they've got all but one starter returning. The only starter not returning, and one of the two players on either side of the ball not returning, is their center, Cade Cody. Cade Cody was a sixth-year senior last year, so most guys aren't going to come back for a seventh year, even given the option. So center is the position that they're looking to fill. And right now, at least through the first day of practice, it looks like that's going to be junior Donovan West, who was a starter last year at left guard. And they feel Donovan's got the potential to play at the next level. And if he does, it's going to be at center. So at least yesterday in the first day, it looks like Donovan West is going to be the guy there. Um, they return all the other starters. And two of those were grad transfers in Henry Haddis, who came from Stanford, and uh, Kellen Deesh, who came over from, for te- from Texas A&M. So those are two guys that are very veteran guys that have played football for a while. And those guys are the leaders on the line. And I think they're going to be fine on the line because they're returning for the five. So is this year's schedule just kind of a one-off then, uh, non-conference? It's Southern Utah, UNLV, and at BYU. <clears throat> there are some bigger games out there, and there's a thought that the Pac-12's got to play other Power 5 leagues and beat them. And they do have Oklahoma State out there coming up here. Is ASU all in on that, or is uh, is her more, hey, let's go 3-0, build some confidence, break in the young guys, and worry about conference? Now, usually, usually they like to have the one gimme game. They like to have one that's a decently tough game and then one that's kind of in the middle. Uh, and, of course, they set these schedules years in advance. You never know how good somebody's going to be or not not be. But that's kind of usually their, what they try to do is a kind of a gimme, a tough one, and then one that's kind of in between type of thing. So that's kind of where their thought is in that process. Um, as far as the rest of the schedule, and obviously the schedules came out earlier this week, um, ASU's got a decent schedule. Obviously, the tough part is the end of the year back-to-back trips to Oregon State and Washington. Um, So two straight trips to the Northwest back-to-back weeks. And this will be the third year in a row that ASU has traveled to Oregon State. So a lot of the fan base here wants to gripe about that. So um, you never know the weather in Corvallis come November, December. So that's kind of the tough part of the schedule. Um, but Herm doesn't focus on that. He said, hey, let's just go play them. And they did win last year in December in Corvallis in bad weather, so maybe that's overrated. Yeah, it has to be not just Corvallis in late in the season. It has to be 8.30 and rainy. That's part of the deal. Can't, it can't be 1 o'clock. So uh, I understand their frustration there, but you got to play the game. I, I like the stuff that uh, that comes out of the coaching as far as the recruiting because they'll tell you – 
they their spin is that well we recruit nationally you know that's what we do well yeah you, you damn well better recruit nationally because you ain't getting anybody from the state of arizona maybe you can get a walk-on or a kicker or somebody's son but other than that that's been a struggle and i know hiring two ex high school coaches from california southern california in uh, Pierce and Claiborne has really helped. And they hired the Chandler High coach, and Chandler's got the big program uh, down there, obviously, in the Valley. Uh, do you see any breakthrough as far as to be able to have any shot at getting the top kids and stop having them to go to Oklahoma and Oregon or wherever else they're going? No, I, I like what they've done already for the next cycle. Uh, they've already got two four-star recruits. And uh, they've gone into Florida and, and to get Jalen Marshall out of Hallandale High School, which is outside of the Fort Lauderdale area. Um, they went and got him. They just got a four-star safety. And from people I'm talking to with the 247 affiliates say this kid is really, really good. So and he's out of California, too. So I like what they've done. Um, they're excited about this recruiting class and that this is the first recruiting class that Herm and his staff have recruited since they were high school freshmen. So I think they're gaining traction in, in places like Florida. Um, and they got Chip Trainum, the top running back out of, you know, Ohio state territory. He's from Ohio. So I think they've definitely increased their footprint nationwide. Um, and I think that that's going to continue. So when you look at the South, where would you, uh, where would you put ASU in all of this? Well, you know what? I think the South, I think any of four teams can win it. Obviously, I, I don't think Colorado has quite enough, and Arizona is Arizona. So I don't, think, I, I don't think those two teams have enough to pull it off. But I think any of the other four teams really could pull it off. But I think you start with USC just because they're USC, and that's a national brand. That's a, a school that should get the top recruits in the country year in and year out. So i got to think that USC is probably still the favorite. And I think ASU, Utah, and UCLA are in the mix, too. I, I wouldn't rule any of those teams out. So uh, I think this is probably ASU's best chance in a while to actually win it. And I'm not going to go overboard and say they're the favorite because I, I still would probably go with Keaton Slovis and USC. But I think that ASU can be in the mix. There's no doubt about that. You know, not With 20 of 22 starters returning, they should be in the mix. Michelle, we appreciate a few minutes. Thanks for joining us. A little spring football tour of Arizona State. We appreciate it. Anytime. Michelle Gardner, ASU beat writer for the Arizona Republic. The opener with SUU, the third game with BYU, and then midseason with the Utes. We will be seeing plenty of ASU. All right, DJ and PK, right back to the story of the morning, the Utah Jazz. The frustrating loss to Philadelphia. We will get your reaction coming up next. And Craig Bullerjack joins us at 9 o'clock. It's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Now let's get this party started. This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network. Have we ever talked to John on the air? No. No. And I've got questions. Is he there? I'm here. Hey, John, how are you? Hey, John. I'm good. How are you guys? Uh, John, while we have you. No, no. We've had a a long back and forth about a pitchfork incident. I want to know the details of my buddy here and your brother running a pitchfork through you. (laughs) We were out working and, you know, cleaning our ends or whatever you want to call it. And uh, he thought that he was like King Triton and he uh, threw that pitchfork and uh, he sat (laughs) it through enough. He put it right underneath 
underneath the kneecap. Did you throw a trident? Yeah, and I killed a guy with a trident. Hanson Scotting. Weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. It gets to a point when you feel like what you're doing defensively and what you're doing offensively are being perceived two different ways. And that's essentially what he was trying to express. You know, we know that, you know, as, as we're trying to, to improve and beat some of the best teams in the league, that, you know, we've always got work to do. But there is obviously a level of frustration with the things that you can't control. DJ and PK brought to you in part by The Warehouse. Join the big show Friday at The Warehouse from 2 to 6 p.m. Price is so low, it'll blow your mind. Boom! That was Quinn Snyder right there. That's how you support your star while not getting yourself fined by the NBA. Well, that's his job. Watch them find him, too, just for fun. No, they won't. No, I don't think so. I think that was well played. He rode the line. He did toe the line. Well, sure, he's in his 50s. (laughs) Yeah, there you go. So, and he's got to set the the standard. uh, He's the... the now, he's not the face, but he's the spokesman, sort of, so to speak. I think the players, I got zero problem with what they said. I support them one hundred percent. I got their backs. You don't usually want to hear people talk about refereeing. Look at you go. You're not talking about refereeing, but you're talking about people talking about refereeing. But I'm going to allow them to talk about it this game. Now, that doesn't mean... Because of Embiid's shoulder, that offensive foul? That was, that was what opened the that door? That was egregious. I thought the worst call, because I have seen no calls like that before. Not I thought like the, that. If, as, uh, you're right. It was, it was pretty... <laughs> it was on the high end of what gets allowed in an NBA game. Uh, but I thought the one, the craziest one, was when Donovan got called for an ob- offensive foul. And clearly, Simmons had, <laughs> Simmons had his arm pinned. I didn't see that. I didn't understand that. And... It's That's because it wasn't a foul. But I know, but <laughs> how dare you let ben But Simmons my point on that off. was those guys got tangled up, so it wasn't at least to me. Now I'm not there out on the floor, but there was this contact, and I wasn't sure what was going on. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? So yeah. it, was, it was confusing to me because their bodies were tangled. The other one was a bowling mm-hmm. ball knocking down a pin. Yeah. It was the seven spare pickup. There was nothing else to see. You see what I'm saying? So it was clear. It wasn't a bunch. These dudes are big guys. It wasn't a bunch of guys in there. And in this case of uh, the one that you speak of, it was two guys, but it was underneath the basket almost. And so there's a lot of traffic there. So, yeah, I see what you're saying, and I agree with you. But at least there was some type of confusion. It wasn't abundantly clear what literally happened in the actual moment. The other one, you could see, you could see from Upper Darby. They like to say all that stuff, you know. You always pick the cities out. Right, absolutely. He hit that one to Draper. (laughs) Yeah, so that's I give you a little uh, Pennsylvania uh, geography there. It was clear from Camden, which is across the bridge in the Jersey side. To uh, to see that foul, that's 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 my difference on those two. I don't disagree with you on that, but at least I can have some form of allowance. The Embiid man, I, I'm telling you, JJ Watt is going to take that move and use it uh, with the Cardinals this year. That thing was it was wide open. It was out for everybody to see, 
and they still allowed it. That was shocking. And I think that the league is right to get rid of the flopping, but that wasn't a flop. <laughs> so, But I don't necessarily say that those are the reasons why you lost the game. But I want the fans, if you want to complain about the refereeing, this is your time. we got 90 more minutes. Complain the crap away right now. <laughs> complain the crap away. Yeah, have at it, man. Call us up. Get on the app. Uh, do your thing on Twitter or whatever it is you do want to do and complain. Yeah, get it out, man. Let's hear it. Today's the day. CTCA. Complain the crap away. CTCA, people. All right, so the open mic, if you haven't used it, you grab your phone, you use our app, you hit the open mic feature, you can record 15 seconds of audio, send it to Yach, and he'll play it. 855-340-ZONE if you want to go old school on the phones. And you can tweet at us, David DJ James. You can hit us up on Facebook, DJ and PK. The question on Facebook, how disappointing was that? Joshua says, I think we could beat him in a seven-game series, but we definitely need to toughen up. More often than not, we struggle against teams that come out defensively and punch us in the mouth for four quarters. We need to be more physical. This is the year, though. Go Jazz. Joshua, all in. This isn't an overly physical team. They're not going to beat you, that's for sure. So I understand that. Uh, In fact, uh, I mean, I agree with that there. Uh, As far as that's not necessarily their game. No, I think when you build a club around three-point shooting, you are, by definition, building around skill, and it's going to be a little more finesse. There's very few brutally tough three-point shooters. Oh, Embiid is one of them. <laughs> Embiid is one of them. Uh, former jazz man turned Miami Heat, turned Phoenix Sun, Jay Crowder. He'd be, he'd be a guy who can shoot the three a little bit, and uh, not to the level yeah. the jazz want it, which is why he's not here. Sure, he's I'll a tough buy guy. that. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that's fine. You don't want to. You don't want to bang into him because you're not. You're the one going to the ground, not him. Uh huh. Yeah. Corey says they did not play jazz basketball down the stretch. No ball movement. Selfish play. Let terrible refing. I see what you did there. A little Charles Barkley spelling. Let terrible refing get in their head. A lot of complaints around the league about refing last night. I mentioned the. Uh, the spectacular drive uh, by Steph Curry, and, and he thought he got fouled by Ennis Cantor. I thought he did get fouled by Ennis Cantor, but he threw himself into it a little bit, so they made it a no call, and he made a, a highlight hoop. But uh, did you see the technical that uh, Montrez Harrell got for yelling and one? Which, as he pointed out, he didn't yell near the ref or looking at the ref. Carlos Boozer, man. Carlos, I was going to say, Carlos, <laughs> Carlos Boozer. Like, man, I'm glad they weren't doing that when I was playing. Exactly. Yeah, but Harrell has a little bit of a rep. And one, boom. So, uh, yeah, whatever on on those things. More often than not, the teams that lose are the ones complaining about the refereeing. And every every night in the league, there's half the teams are going to lose. It's just the way it works. I don't think they got uh, distracted by the refereeing during the game. I would disagree with that. That was until overtime that. when they were already beaten. In my mind, that's. That's when it, it was, yeah. Th- there was a no-call in overtime, and all five guys jumped and spun around and twisted like tops Because they'd the had time. it at that point. Yeah. Yes. And so, yes. So it's like, again, you've got to be kidding me. So that was a cumulative – that wasn't – you know, obviously I was upset about the individual call, but that was an accumulation of calls that uh, put that response of what you speak of 
to uh, it came to pass because it was not just that call. It was all the things that they thought. And then obviously Donovan blew his stack. And great. I, I don't want a bunch of friggin' choir boys, man. I, I, that 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 doesn't get you any wins. Forget forget that. Yeah, that I don't. I, that's like that's not the last thing. That's always an extreme expression. Oh, that's the last thing I wanted. Nah, I think probably shot in the face would be the last thing you'd be wanted. But uh, as far as that goes, they had that. He had that emotional outburst, and it wasn't like it was over the top. It wasn't the malice in the palace or or any dream on green or any of the nonsense that we saw from Rodman over the years and whatnot. It was actually very understated. Uh, I mean, I don't even think the announcers realized exactly what happened until they saw him start to walk towards the tunnel. So that was fine. Brian says, tough loss, questionable calls, but you have to hand it to Embiid for that three at the end. Philly's climbing high on my dislike list. Well, I would get that because uh, if I were the hardcore where my game, my day is made by Jazz winning. For me, that's not the case. I want them to see them win professionally. I don't really have a whole lot of personal interest, but uh, job-wise, yeah, when Embiid is flashing the tee. And yeah, that was the Mitchell, one. Yeah. That would have pissed me off yeah. big time. I know, and then he tried to go over to him and bat him on the back on the way off the court. And right. Donovan just ignored him. Just like, right. I can't even see you. I'm busy yelling at this guy you're, over here. You're a great player, but now you got to be refereeing. He's lucky that it didn't escalate more than it did, And uh, so, yeah, if Jay Crowder's on the floor, I'm not sure that uh, Jay allows that to happen. It's like, put your hand down and shut up. And you go if you got fouled, go to the free throw line or whatever it is. You don't need to be worrying about whether they give my guy a T. Oh yeah, that totally got under my skin. If they play them in the final, I'll be rooting for a freaking four zero sweep, <laughs> and then I'd be teeing up Embiid every chance I got if I were the Jazz. Yeah, I mean that's the great thing about baseball. We saw a couple years back uh, a pitcher throw at Bryce Harper. Three years later, <laughs> because he thought he showed him up in a playoff game, if I remember. And it was, I think it was Memorial Day a couple years uh, ago, and he threw at him, and Bryce went out and chucked the helmet. I don't think he threw, he threw the helmet more towards second base. He wasn't totally out of control. But the story, and I think the pitcher was Strickland for the Giants, he was upset if something happened three years earlier. Those guys, they don't, they're my kind of guys. They are New Jersey Italians as far as I'm concerned. They forget nothing. <laughs> and that's the way I was brought up, man. You never forget anything. Anybody wronged you, and believe me, I'm checking off the list. And I wrote down some names yesterday of people who, who wronged me. And so, yeah, I'm never going to forget it. And that's the way it works. I'm going to do everything I can to come back and make them be haunted for their decisions. And that's the way I live. And so here... Uh, in basketball, I think they should do the same, man. They get an opportunity. It's, if it came this year, obviously it would only be in the finals. But, yeah, that that bugged me to see him be doing that against my guy. And if I was somebody on the Jazz, I wouldn't have minded if they would have gotten his face and said, shut up right in the moment. Who do you think you are to be doing that? Unfortunately, I didn't see anybody do that, and I would have been fine with seeing somebody because and it was prolonged, too. He basically held the T sign with his two hands until they gave him the T. Shut up. Nothing wrong with a garage as long as you write it in blood on the dugout wall and never forget, right, PK? What did you say? 
There's nothing wrong with a grudge. Just write it in blood on the dugout wall and never forget. <laughs> oh, I make mental notes. <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, hit us up on Twitter, David DJ James. Uh, we've had some people write in funny stuff this morning. There's a little bit of humor. There's a lot of anger. I think Clint was as funny as it gets. It's pretty obvious to me the NBA doesn't want to see underprivileged kids get scholarships. So thank you for the humor, Clint. But this is no time for humor. Mostly, yeah, mostly it's anger, rage. We'll laugh tomorrow. I'm in no laughing mood today. Robert says these are the best basketball officials. Missed calls and wrong calls are a decision, not a mistake. He cuts them no slack. They're doing it. They know what they're doing, and they're doing it on purpose. Why would they be doing it on purpose? I don't know. But he says they're a decision, not a mistake. People are complaining. Too bad! You know, they want to know if you guys can maybe just do it right. No! All right. Robert, I need to. Uh, you need to extrapolate because if you're doing it on purpose, you're telling me that there's some form of fix. And if there's some form of fix, why would you be even remotely interested? I have no interest in this wrestling stuff. Zero. I will skip right over it every single time. And it doesn't matter if it's some roided up guy or some siliconed up gal, uh, and they're not. She's wearing skimpy clothes. I have zero interest in it. Because it's not real. And if you're going to go along those lines, then why would you even be remotely interested in it if it's rigged? It makes no sense to me. So I don't buy it. Matt says, you know we're getting back to normal as a world when we have bad refs. (laughs) Matt finds it refreshing. So COVID is over? (laughs) Yeah, there's none of this, oh, I'll just watch the game and I'm happy to have what I have. So these guys, the governor of Texas was right and Popovich is wrong. We're getting back to normal. Matt's like, normal, (laughs) sweet, the refs are cheating the Jazz, the Jazz fans are yelling about it, it's 1998 again, it's 2007 again, beautiful. I would love a return to normal, that's for sure. Uh, I, I don't know that it's normal. I still believe in my heart of hearts, and I could be wrong, which is why I'm allowing you to complain about the refereeing today. Complain away. I believe over the course of the season, those things even out. I have no stats. I'm not going to go on 284, 57, whatever the hell that website is that people look at and uh, study all this stuff. Uh, And maybe I'm wrong, but in my heart, I believe that that stuff evens out over the course of time. What website are you going to? I don't know. Wasn't you used to quote some website? Five thirty-eight. Yeah, two forty-eight fifty-seven. I don't, I don't like, even know what it is. I'm not familiar. Waste with that. my time on that nonsense. Uh, I just don't think fans want that. Uh, I think they want opinion and they want emotion from us. That's what, at least from me, anyway. If I started just being clinical and started starting stating stats from forty-seven fifty-four website, no, click. Bye bye. All right, let's go to the open mic. You use, the, you use our app, hit that open mic feature, it'll let you record 15 seconds of audio, you send it to, uh, to Jake, and uh, Yach plays it on the air. PK, thank you for the invite to complain about the refs, but being a jazz fan, BYU fan, Utah Utes fan, we always know we have to beat the refs too. There's no big deal. we got to make our shots. <laughs> Dwight's a vet. He's been down this road before. Nothing surprises him. Okay. And, and I agree with, with the second half of that. 
if you want to win and you have bad calls and bad refereeing, well, then the task is to overcome it if you want to win because it's there. And it was there. I believe it was there. I, I believe that if you're complaining about the refereeing is justified. So complain away today. Complete and total permission to have it. But uh, also, too, you're going to have that, and you need to overcome that. And they didn't. And that they had opportunities for sure. Why, why does Conley always have to shoot right-handed on that floater? No idea. And, and you're shooting right-handed when Embiid is on your right side. That was the confusing part to me. <laughs> and that's why I don't know why he did it. Because usually you want to use, you know, use your body to separate yourself from the defender. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't have anything for you on that. Nothing. I guess that's uh, what we're always going to get with him for better or worse. And a lot of the stuff is for better or worse. You know, live by the three, die by the three, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. You hear all that. Uh, you got to be who you are. And that's who he is. But, I mean, he shot it basically right in Embiid's face. And it's a tough shot. And we get it. You're ambidextrous. You grew up and you got enough money to have a gym in your property. Good for you. Uh, All your financial worries are long gone. I'm happy for you. Uh, The rest of us, not not so much. But I just wonder, you know, why in that situation? And should they have found a way to get the ball to Mitchell and blah, blah, blah? You can can second-guess that stuff to your blue in the face, and it's really pointless. There's a bunch of stuff we can second-guess. I know. We can do that next. And then we got uh, Bowler coming up at 9 o'clock. Let's go to Matt. Matt, good morning. Max, good morning. Or not. All right, Max, call us back. We'll take a break. We'll get you on the other side. 855-340-ZONE if you want to give us a ring. Hit us up on Twitter, David DJ James, Facebook, DJ and PK. It's 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Every single guard from the 8th grade up has a 13-foot stop-and-pop jumper. What was that floater last night, Conley? For $34.5 million at the end of the game, you've got to make the shot. Outside of what you've already talked about, the Royce O'Neal call out of bounds, if it hit the referee, why did they review it? And why was the call that he stepped out of bounds? Plus... That referee wasn't even the one that made the call. When is the last time you heard Donovan Mitchell complain? It's not like Chris Paul on every fetch and play. If I was a referee, at least pull him aside and hear what he has to say rather than just tee him up and let Embiid call the game. (laughs) Embiid. I thought that was an awesome game from Embiid. I liked Embiid a lot more when that game was over than I did when it started. But I got to say I flinched when he was calling the tee. Like, that's just salt in the wound. You know he's getting the tea. He may already have it. We can't see on TV. You're just, it's just salt in the wound at this point, dude. That got under my skin. It's going to get under every Jazz fan's skin, and it's going to be a thing when they play next year. But, you know, everybody's got something that's bugging him getting under their skin, and he did not like getting called out in the Philly media, maybe partly by the national media too, but certainly in Philly. You know, the whole uh, he doesn't want to play Gobert. He's ducking him. Look how many games he's missed against uh, Gobert over the course of his career. Okay, but that had nothing to do with the Jazz. No, no. That's what's getting under his skin. And then uh, what's getting under Jazz fans' skin is Embiid uh, signaling the T. Yeah, that that really got under my skin. That In baseball, that would be uh, in the ribs. <laughs> Brushback. Yeah. 
Yeah, you know, you never throw above the neck. That's unacceptable uh, unless it's 40 feet behind him or something. But, uh, yeah, that you don't need to be doing that, man. Let, let the, their referee worry about their guys. You worry about your guys. You don't, you know, that, that completely and totally was unacceptable. And I know we don't get caught up in unwritten rules in basketball or football compared to like we do with baseball, but that was, that was unacceptable. And that really, really bothered me in that moment because everything was going your way at that point. And you got to do that. No, not cool. So this is going to uh, reverberate for the rest of the day, isn't it? This is going to be a big topic now nationally. What? Jazz fans are going to be in the spotlight. How the game was refed, how the Jazz uh, reacted to the refing, how Embiid had a big game after missing, how Donovan Mitchell got kicked out. This is going to be a thing. I saw Michael Wilbon waiting in on the Twitter fray last night in the game, and I thought uh, he did not like that that the whole thing about – the out of bounds uh, with uh, Roy- Royce trying to save it. He didn't like that that went on and on. He says, it hit the ref, it's out of bounds, next play, move on. That was the only one I saw. But that means he was watching the game, so he's going to have takes on a bunch of other stuff too. Well, of course, it's a Philly game. Yep. The, those guys are going to be – he, he watches – Kornheiser watches basketball. <laughs> he does. Yeah, and he watches early games, and then he then gets called out for the whole I ninety five thing. So what? Right. Well, that's right up the street. Yep, from where uh, he is, basically. It's gosh, it's not even three hours uh, from where he lives. So yeah, it's Philly. Philly, longtime franchise, been pretty good over the years. So yeah, they'll have something to say about that uh, for sure this afternoon. So yeah, it's worthy of national attention, and I, I say back it up. I mean, you just disgrace the Jazz right there by saying, "Yeah, it'll be an issue next year." How about this summer? Well, they're not going to play Philly. Why not? Why not? Come on now. Okay, are you all in yeah. on the Nets? Like I, you've been... I'm, there, there's too many options. It's not going to end up being Jazz Sixers. In you the don't know that. Okay. It's going back to. I mean, yeah, if you're just going numbers wise, the odds are in your favor. I understand yes. that, but you you eliminated any chance. PK, I just did. It's clear Brooklyn Nets bias from DJ. <laughs> well, yeah, he, <laughs> he's, I love the big he's, markets. He's, I'm all East Coast. I love I ninety five. He's going to die on that hill. Well, you but Philadelphia is just as much I ninety five as as the the Nets yep, are. They are. So uh, I mean, it's all that whole corridor that basically starts in Boston. And goes all the way down to D.C. Uh, it's about six, six and a half, seven hours of uh, travel, if you can believe that. And you hit all those major cities. Now, with traffic, it can take longer. That's for sure. I've been in the traffic. Uh, but that's what they're talking about. That they, And you, you're a big PTI guy, and they talk about that I-95 constantly. So, sure, I understand that. But it's not beyond the realm. Philly, when you got a player, and Simmons is a player, too. You know, he can't shoot. But it's funny because he takes grief on not shooting threes. Well, actually, that's sort of smart. <laughs> if if you can't do it, why do it? You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. he can do so many other things with his size that allows him to be effective. So I don't understand the grief. Well, he can't shoot threes. Okay, I get it. Well, then don't do it. <laughs> you know, it's, it's like uh, this kid Harms down at BYU. Somebody told him, yeah, you could shoot threes. You can shoot them. They just don't go in. <laughs> uh, so, But Embiid is a prolific offensive player. 
There's just no doubt about it. He's really good. 40 points and 19 boards against Gobert when he's been called out for missing the first matchup between these teams. And that was a massive three. And you can argue the Jazz should have fouled. Only 37 because that was against Bogdanovich. (laughs) <laughs> I can. Uh, you can argue they should have fouled. I think 10 seconds is a little early. You turn it into a free-throw shooting contest. There are scenarios that could bite you there, too. So you got to mm-hmm. yeah. pick your poison all that stuff. You get down to two or three seconds, it gets to be okay. a much easier decision. But mm-hmm. you know that possession started with 21 on the clock, and the best chance to foul him was probably at 10. And you got a split second to decide, do I want to do this or not? And then he sees the clock, and he's running uh, for the three-point line because he thinks it's getting too late to yeah, play two for one now. He's backing up. I'm, I'm okay with that from the Jazz perspective. I just want to go bear on him. They're, that's their best player offensively. Well, they could have even if the switch, they could have switched back when he stumbled. That's a chance. Uh, I got it. Or that's double a, him. Or double him, yeah. That, and it's like, hey, listen, if someone else hits a three to tie it, so be it. But it can't be you, dude. We're not letting the best player be And him. I'm doubling him with my two tallest guys. Yeah, you're throwing some size at him that might matter. Right. Oh, it certainly would matter. Yes. Yeah. And it's but hey, and I get it. It's easy for us to say, but that's my job. I'm paid to second <laughs> guess. I'm not paid to draw up uh, plays. Uh, they're, they're all second guess, and this is the kind of stuff they second guess. They absolutely talk. I about wouldn't that. have switched. And I would have found a way to get Joe in the game uh, because he had it going on, and it was just bugging me, man, putting Tobias Harris in the low post and letting him just do his so stuff So Joe against. for bogey is what you were thinking. Or, or, because they went right yeah, at yeah. bogey. They, it, it was really weird to me that they went so hard with Embiid late in the game. And late yeah. in the game, late in the fourth quarter, it was, it was a steady diet of Embiid. But as soon as they went to overtime, it was no Embiid. It was go right at Bogdanovich. And both, but both worked for him. And so, if it works, then it was the right call. Doesn't agreed. Seem very logical. <laughs> Seems like he would have gone with one in both situations, and they didn't. They switched with everything hanging in the balance, and and it paid off. It did. They had a huge fourth quarter. That was, I think, was it a thirty-four point fourth quarter? Sixers. Yeah. Yeah. That whole game, man, for not being emotionally invested. You got emotionally invested. I did. Got sucked into it. I did. There yeah, were I so did. many runs in that game. You know, the cliche is there's three runs and you need to have two of them. And I, I think that game had seven runs or nine runs or something. I mean, it was just back and forth. Uh, Jill just weighed in. She's hilarious. And Beach should get fined for taunting. But back to the Jazz. I love seeing that emotion from Donovan. He's going to channel this and he's going to kill it. Yeah, I agree, man. That's why I was surprised you you came That's down on the I emotion. That's what I said. Channel it. Don't just blow yeah, it out. Yeah, but you no, you ripped him for doing it. Don't blow it out in the post game because the uh, refs you're are going to it back now. The refs are going to come after you. That's exactly what I said earlier. We already know this. Well, but Go then they're going to whether you channel Go it or not, they're still going to come after you. So what's the difference if you're focused on the refs channel because coming they take after it to you? A new level. Then it then it doesn't matter. So that then you're ripping them. Don't Gobert. do it. You can channel it any way you want, but the big deal you can't control what the refs are going to do. And you believe the refs are going to come after you? I don't think so. I think the refs are going to be on heightened alert to make sure they don't screw over the Jazz again. Gobert complained about the referee in after a loss to Miami and a late call on Dwayne Wade and free throws that won the game. And they gave him a foul one second into the next game on the jump ball, and they kicked him out three minutes into that game. Clearly, that was there was a message sent, and that maybe and they they'll thought, probably be more even, subtle I now. I don't remember I, it, so I can't answer to it. Yeah, but they know full it. well that they stumbled over themselves 
this time, and so they got to make it up down the line. So actually them blowing off steam the way they did, it will pay off. It won't hurt them. It will help them. Exactly what, exactly what Jill said. Channel all this rage, and Donovan made it clear this was not a one-night deal. They have felt this multiple times and not said boo and boo. held it all in. Let it out. Channel it. Channel it. It's what Jordan did. It's yeah, what but works. you can't control what the refs do. No, what you can control is building the 10-point lead so that the ref can't get him back into the game. Now, Donovan will say, yeah, I missed 20 shots because I went to the hoop because we got to go to the hoop, and I kept getting fouled and not getting called, and there are all no calls, and Embiid should have fouled out of that game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I got you. You know. So we got, we got plenty of people cracking on him for missing 20 shots. But if you look at it, he shot real well from three. He shot poorly on twos, and most of those twos were inside of five feet. Mm-hmm. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Coming up, Craig Bowlerjack, TV voice of the Jazz. He's next. Stay with us. I felt that way my whole career, honestly. You know, it's just that, that small market. We don't have the, the big-time names, you know, the ones that are all over the TV and stuff like that. So um, it can get a little wild for us. But um, we have stars. You know, Don's a star. Rudy's a star. Boyan, guys that deserve to get those calls. And it's just not happening for us right now, and uh, it's, it's unfortunate. There's Mike Conley. In the midst of the rage from Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell, and I expect they'll both get fined for stuff they said, Conley with the quietly devastating assessment. Do you feel like you're not uh, getting the calls? Oh, I felt like that my whole career. Nice. Mike Conley postgame. Time to bring in a guy who got pretty worked up himself, Craig Bowlerjack, TV voice of the Utah Jazz. Bowler, good morning. Uh, Good morning, guys. You know, PK's come to learn over time that I psychoanalyze everything, and I was psychoanalyzing you during the game. You know, yeah. I know I know Matt a little bit. I know you obviously much better. And I thought there was one point when you got frustrated with the refs, you were ready to just, shut up, Matt. I'm mad, and I'm going to let it rip. And I could just kind of feel Matt going, whoa, I haven't seen this side of Bowler in a while. I better just get out of the way and let him roll here. Yeah, there what, was. Uh, what irritated you the most? PK and I have come up with our and we'll tell you what our plays were but what really set you off uh i think when Embiid uh continued to i thought um you know harass donovan and actually punk him a little bit by constantly putting the t in in the official's face and then finally the official gave donovan a a, a technical foul the first of two uh, which would then uh put him out of the game and just a few minutes later I, I we really had a good close-up of that and that irritated me that was disrespect of the game which the league talks about and I thought it was a it was a taunt and uh that's what upset me the most that a player could not officiate a ball game and I thought Embiid was doing that oh agreed that pissed me off royally man <laughs> that was that was complete and total disrespectful, and and I actually think some jazz guy should have gotten his face and said, "What are you doing? Knock Enough. it off!" Yeah, yeah. The whole night, uh, you know, I, I there were some really interesting comments, uh, and obviously Donovan let it fly. And yes, you're right, DJ. Uh, there will be fines. To what extent, I don't know. And what what money, what value? <laughs> yeah, who cares? Yeah, I mean, it's. I think it's something that a lot of teams want to say. Uh, again, you know, we've all 
worked in this market for quite a while, and it's the same conversation that a lot of fans have had with us about, and I don't like to say small market. I'm at a I'm at a point where Utah and has has grown, and we're we're mid. Okay, are we the big? No, you know that's just the way it is. But we're a mid-sized market. I, I like to get rid of the small market mentality personally. That's just me. Uh, but look, you've got uh, multiple all stars and you have a two time defensive player of the year. And some people say you're whining, but at the same time, you know, in, in critical games such as we saw last night, you just have to kind of wonder why the calls go the way they do. And I'd be interested to hear what you guys thought. Uh, you know, I, I have three that probably were very, you know, I think we're controversial, and that's where the anger level really starts to jump. Um, I'm not sure what the front office thinks. So they're very quiet when it comes to that. I know that they have had at times publicly, you know, had conversations with the league about issues just like what we saw last night. But the one that really riled me, I thought, was just that Embiid was over the top with antics. And that is something the league has said to us as broadcasters and and to the players about respect of the game, taunting all the above, but that did not occur last night with Joel Embiid as he just kind of officiated himself. And I, I just, at the time, it was an intense moment. Uh, the Jazz uh, and Philadelphia really obviously battled from the opening tip until, you know, overtime. And the shot by Embiid was incredible, by the way, uh, in regulation to hit the three. Please, that was, you know, uh, he made the shot, and he takes about three a game, and that one just happened to be right down the the barrel, and you know then things got heated as as we went to overtime, even more so than it was in regulation. I actually loved the post game. I loved the display of emotion. I thought the game was over when Donovan got kicked out, so I enjoyed that. I mean, I wouldn't want it on a nightly basis where it becomes a huge distraction, and right. we've seen players do that. But I think in an isolated case. I enjoyed the fact that him, uh, Mitchell, and Gobert basically went off because if nothing else, it shows me how much they care. Yeah. No, PK, sometimes it has to be done. And, you know, I I know that there's some fans who believe stay calm, cool, collected, and stay within yourself. But I tell you, still in the human nature, I think all of us blow a top on occasion. Uh, And it costs them financially. But, you know, I think that's just something that, you know, they wave away. They say, I think what what I heard last night was not only a statement for the team, but for the the organization and the the state and the fan base. Um, That's what I heard. Uh, I I may be, you know, wearing the rose-colored glasses, and I admit, you know, I'm with this team. Well, used to be on the road, uh, but not this year, but still – you know, you, you just know these guys. You know how hard they work. You know the frustration that comes with the game and losing. Uh, but this this team is dialed in to take it to the next level, and they don't want to be disrupted for for things that they can't control. And I know, you know, the league, you know, the the the, the team that you know, Quinn always says, you, you know, just control what you can't control. And when you feel like you've lost control of something you can't, uh, you know pull back in, uh, that's the frustration part. And I think it's just been building. I really have. Even though the Jazz have had great success this this first half of the season, there's been nights uh, you can tell conversations I've had that it, it, it's a frustrating issue that's gone on 
you know, for not not just this season. It's, it, it goes way back. Carl and John would probably tell you the same thing back back in the day, so to speak. Well, we already cited the examples. I mean, you know, longer than any of these players have been here, longer than Quinn, longer than yeah. Dennis has been here. You can go back to, I don't know, how many people are in the organization even now from when uh, the mystery foul and Kobe, oh, he fouled the hell out of me. And Devin Brown, he wasn't within a foot of you, dude. I mean, right. it, was, it was just right. a terrible call. And whether it's a terrible call because refs are bad or it's just a terrible call because people make mistakes or whether it's a terrible call because, hey, Kobe's a superstar and he gets calls. You know, whatever it is, it was a terrible call. And you yeah. could go back to Dick Bavetta in the finals. And, like, I get that 27-year-old fan may not remember that, but I, I guarantee oh. you a 47-year-old fan sure is wincing in agony just at the word Bavetta. But, right. but Bowler, this has been going on since before Dick Bavetta was a ref. Will Chamberlain never fouled out of a game. This is just the nature of the NBA and nothing ever changes. And I get people are human and below their top because – I blown my top to PK on the phone in 2021. So <laughs> I, to- and I'll I'll tell you later what it was about, and you'll find it okay. hilarious. Yeah, and like and so it just it uh you know I get that, but I watched that Jordan documentary, and he was exhausted, just like the Jazz were exhausted. I thought they were really fatigued in New Orleans, right? And if they had played in Philly, the way they played in Philly, if they played like that in New Orleans, they would have won that game by 10 or 15. Right. Right. But Jordan, when he was exhausted, found something, even if he had to make it up, that made him mad, to summon this extra energy. That's what they're going to have to do going forward because the calls aren't changing. It didn't change with Wilt. It didn't change when Magic reffed his own playoff games and went down the middle and threw his arms in the air and yelled and got to the free throw line. It didn't change with Jordan. It didn't change with Kobe. It didn't change three years ago when Dwayne Wade got free throws and Gobert went off and got fined, and then he got a foul. One second on the jump ball. One second in the game, he had a foul. And three minutes in, he was kicked out. This stuff never changes. We can be as mad as we want. And it's kind of fun radio, so I kind of like it. But (laughs) it doesn't change. No, I think think that that probably is the the end point of the whole discussion is that you can be frustrated. You can voice your frustration. But this is something that just isn't just one particular night in Philadelphia. This is something that you just... Uh, eloquently stated, this is just a, uh, something that we have seen trends throughout time. And, you know, it's a human element. We're always going to have that. Do you want it robotically done? Most people would say off the cuff, well, yeah. But in reality, no. The human element still is part of the sports brand of what we do. It also, as you said, DJ, motivates, generates sports talk, right? Which we're having at the moment. But it's a human element that will never go away because mistakes are made. The eye, how quick do you actually see? And then the replay maybe is the worst enemy of the official. Look, just for an example, last night on the out-of-bounds play where Royce busted tail to save it, my eye went where? My eye only went to his Foot. foot. But my argument is that the replay official then told us and again, we're waiting as the fans are, and you feel you feel um, like you're you're misinformed because the uh, the out of bounds official actually could have told us or even put a hand to his thigh to say, you know, no, the ball hit my leg, yeah. which I later learned from Sakakis that that actually was what they looked at. Not the foot where we all were, were focused upon, and clearly 
uh, Royce released the ball, and Donovan would have had a runaway bucket to the rim uh, had it not been whistled. And that is what was upsetting, too, is the misinformation, or at least where my eye went, when he, as an official, personally would have said, he could have jumped and said, no, hit me here. Out of, you know, the ball is dead, but that didn't occur. And I think that's what – and then the replay was such a long, you know, ordeal of, of time. It's like, what, what could it be? And then we find out that the ball actually, before even Royce busted tail to save it, when he reached for the ball, he actually glazed the leg of the official who was out of bounds, dead ball. So that would have taken care of a lot of the argument had that whistle or his reaction would have helped us all understand what had gone on. What's your level of concern having lost three or four versus uh, it's a little bit of a lull, nothing really to worry about? Well, I think uh, DJ said something. Fatigue, I think mentally uh, there's been a lot of stress on this team down the stretch. And, you know, holding on to the top level of the NBA isn't easy. Another lesson learned. You know, you bring up the names of LeBron and Michael. This is where it really gets tough, the mental side of the game. Look, physically, uh, and also, I mean, there's fatigue, but also – I think Quinn has told him, that, and, and Donovan has said it too, PK, is that, look, we have the attitude of not being tired, of not being fatigued. If you're going to win it, if you're going to go to the Western Conference Finals, if you're going to take it, then you have to push through. So this is one of those things, I think, that you push through. Jazz are still a very deep team. They have a lot of weapons, three-point shot, rim, mid-range, Clarkson, Joe. Um, you know, I, I don't think you can get – the way they've lost have been – close battles zion look man the guy's good he's he's much improved even when we saw him a month couple of months ago in salt lake city and the jazz took two from the pelicans that's a good team ball's better ingram's a good blend and uh, i still think the jazz overall pk have a have a deeper bench in reality uh but also multiple weapons they're just going to have to push through and grow i think this is a process people may not like to hear it but it is you know, to go from one level to the next, you have to experience a hell of a lot. And last night was probably one of the best examples of, of a season where when you have the target on your back, you have to find ways, DJ, as you just said, you got to find a way to get angry, get mean, get nasty, not knocking people's heads off, but internally finding ways to push through. Uh, and I think last night was just one of those steps. I really do. Hell of a game, by the way. And, uh, you can see why Philadelphia and Bede's a beast. Two eighty, the guy's nimble. He's like Zion, uh, even better in my opinion at the moment. And uh, you know, Tobias Harris is uh, is is a player that complements him well. And you've got some shooters. They don't take a lot of threes. Their game is more old fashioned. Is to power and beat you up. So the Jazz, have, I think, have to become a team too, where they can handle the physicality and also answer back themselves. I thought Rudy played well. Uh, despite Embiid's power play, but uh, he tried to hold his ground. He, you know, he's outweighed by 40, uh, but Rudy was, uh, you know, doing the best he could. And what I like, too, is that Gobert had the back of Donovan and Conley. It's well documented now that he wasn't on the postgame list, but he said, nope, I'm coming in. That tells me, too, close team, got your back team, we're not done. And, and I think this is only a motivator for the second half. So I would say that I am uh, 
actually watching the way this trip ended, I wouldn't worry about the Jazz winning a bunch of games in the second half. I think what you need to worry about specifically, though, is this trend, uh, and I'm not sure why it's happening. It could be because they had so much continuity early, they just had an edge early. Also, you got to give other teams credit to adjusting to what the Jazz are doing. But when they're seeing good teams uh, second or third time, they're losing. You know, yeah, they beat Philly the first. And I know there's a bunch of one-offs. You know, Embiid didn't play in the first game. So there's a bunch of this built into it. But the second time they see Miami, they lose, and I realize Miami was healthier. The second time they see Philly, they lose, I realize Philly was healthier. The third time they see the Clippers, because the second time they saw the Clippers, the Clippers didn't have their stars. But the third time they saw the Clippers, they lost. The second time they saw Denver, they lost. And I wonder how much of this continuity and how much is – they're playing differently than most of the league, and it takes teams a little while to catch on. But once they do, they can figure out how to handle it. And those, I don't know which it is, but that's where the red flag is for me. Yeah. No, no it's, it's fair. It's a fair assessment. And I think that's where the Jazz adjust to have to throw another wrinkle into what they do. I think what I see, too, DJ, is that on missed shots because of the threes, the amount of threes, those balls kick hard most of the time off the rim. Thus, you get a, a running downhill mentality, and the Jazz have trouble in transition. And that's where athletic teams with guard play, fast guards, can actually bust tail and get out and score at the rim. And it's, a, it's an amazing thing. The three can do a lot of damage. A couple of back-to-back threes, you get a run rolling. But if you miss those shots, you allow your opponent uh, to jump and go. And I think that's where I would see, too, some of the problems uh, that have occurred is uh, the ability to, to break the paint, get to the rim off missed shots. And the other part I would say, uh, despite the way the Jazz have played, turnovers still become an issue. It, it is for every team. But I think for the Jazz, they have to be much more protective of the ball, make sure the pass is crisp. You can't lob it over the top and have a guy pick it off in mid-flight, which happens, uh, I think, too often personally. But um, I, I, those are a couple. Of, I think, you know, those are a couple of areas that you would have to look at in the second half. You know, cut down the turnovers three or four a game, uh, and not allow the team, especially when you turn the ball over, to score off the turnover. And that's what the Jazz have given away a lot of points, and they fouled quite a bit during this road trip as well. And it's hard to, to corral the Zions and the Embiid's of the world. But uh, that's those are issues I think you have to talk about. Bowler, as always, we appreciate it. You enjoy the downtime, man. Look at you. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, yeah take a little breather. I'll be ready by Monday. But... Uh, <laughs> But uh, we'll uh, we'll be back at it on a home game. The other part of this too, uh, PK. By the way, I mean I, I could use a song, but I, I know that's probably what you and DJ got into it about <laughs> over the phone. But uh, you know, sing us out to a break. But the Jazz have a challenge too to start the second half. Right, Houston home, then five on the road. So they just come away from four. So I tell you, the second half of the season starts with a challenge. They're gonna have to find their road, uh, their the, the way to win on the road again, like they did before. Uh, just to be clear, we didn't get into it on the phone. He just absorbed my sound and fury. Oh, I was frustrated. I was frustrated about something else, and so I called PK because I knew he'd understand, and I let her rip. You let her rip. I let her rip. Yeah, he was Is just there, no. PK there, was just being a good teammate. Hey PK, any fines forthcoming? <laughs> or is, oh my gosh! <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, I've known this me. man <laughs> for for almost 
30 years now. Yeah. And yeah. that was, that was, that was awesome. Yeah, that was a top tenor. Yeah. I let it rip. Oh, I, covered yeah. a, I covered a lot of ground. Would that have been a $20,000 fine night? or <laughs> Oh, big time. I like yeah. to talk, but I didn't even say five words. Wow. Because it was not, it was not uh-huh. my time to talk. It was my right. time to listen. Uh-huh. Yes. Uh-huh. I had to take it, it to a, a safe space, and I did. Yeah. It was impressive. <laughs> well yeah, done, it DJ. It was, it was good. That was a little but disturbing, too. <laughs> you know, sometimes as cool and calm as you may be, sometimes the long fuse just burns to the end, and I think there that's what is. happened to, to you. Yeah. Oh, it was, yeah. No, I, I think PK agree, would agree that that was probably 10 to 12 years in the making. It was a long fuse. <laughs> that is a long fuse, yeah. man. Yeah. Yeah. All well right. Done. We got we got to run, Bowler, but we appreciate it. And uh, we appreciate you getting all sorts of fired up on the broadcast. And, yeah, and you and Matt, good. even though you're in separate cities and neither one of you are in the city of the game is, I thought you guys did a good job of being on the same wavelength. I could really feel what Matt was thinking when you were getting fired up. And yeah. if we get him on over the break, I will discuss this with him. Yeah, discuss I, that with him. Please. I mean, I'm, I'm more into the broadcast than most people are going to be because it's what I do, and I've had to do remote broadcast. But, yeah, I thought, thought, I thought there was some telepathic communication going on between the two of you. <laughs> I was impressed. Six cents, yeah. Yeah, right. All right, thanks, Bowler. Guys, talk soon. Thanks. Uh, take care. Everything you missed in this show, next, one segment. We'll get you all up to speed. Stay with us. Harden now. Left wing, front court, three on the way. Good! James Harden with a three. He's got 27, and Houston needs a timeout. Levine at the point. Levine on the drive. Stops, pops, got it! A three ball on the right. Zach Levine with another triple X's his fourth. In seven attempts, he's got 30. Same top of the key. Against Baseball, steps back. Deep three, buries it! Damian Lillard from game distance, and the Blazers lead 108-106. Down to seven seconds left, over to Green. Green, head fake, he dribbles, goes up for the layup, it is no good. It's an offensive foul! Charge. Damian Lillard took the charge. Damian Lillard draws the charge with 3.3 left. A lot going on in the NBA last night. Certainly the Jazz and the Sixers, a big game in the league, the top team in the East, the top team in the West, and it goes to overtime with all the drama. Plenty of other big games there. You hear Damian Lillard with a huge shot. Not a great game for him, 22 points, but he hits the big shot. And the Blazers beat the Warriors 108-106. If you haven't seen the... uh, the crazy hoop that Steph Curry threw in from underneath the hoop—you got to see that. It's all over social media. It was, it was just an awesome move by him, and it looked like Cantor fouled him, and he didn't get the call. And he sat on the ground and held his arms out, like, "What are you guys watching?" Uh, but it was a heck of a play. So there's that game as the uh, Blazers, and it looks like it's going to be a wild race for fifth in the West. PK, there are plenty of teams. Whether it's the Blazers, it looks like Denver's coming. The Blazers should get healthier after the break. They should get CJ McCollum back. Uh, the Spurs, at least from my point of view, are unexpectedly in this mix. Uh, so plenty of teams battling there. That's interesting to watch. And the Lakers, the shorthanded Lakers, uh, have now lost 7 out of 10 as the Kings came from behind and beat them 123-120. to 120, But he healed with 29. Just as long as he lose 4 in the playoffs, all I care about. <laughs> That's really what, we, <laughs> what everybody here wants. Uh, the Rockets have lost 13 in a row. The Nets predictably went in and beat them. James Harden returned to Houston, 29 points, 10 rebounds, 14 assists, and a 132-114 win. Uh, the Mavericks did not have Luka Doncic, but they got 19-13 and 13 from Kristaps Porzingis, and the Mavs beat the Thunder 87-78. How many quarters did they play, PK? 
It seemed like they missed the fourth quarter. They took the night off, man. That's way low scoring in today's game. Way low scoring. So that's some of the stuff we've been talking about in the NBA. The college hoops, the the Utes, they're up and down. It continues. They lose to Oregon State. They're up at halftime, but they lose 75-70. They're 10-12. and And Utah State plays Wyoming tonight. The Aggies firmly on the bubble. They got Wyoming at home tonight. Scotty G has the uh, call, 7 o'clock with the pregame, 7.30 for the tip-off. You can listen to it right here on The Zone. I don't think they are on the bubble. I think they got to win the tournament. There's no hope for them, huh? The other tournaments, the upsets will knock them off. Even if it looks like they're on the bubble now, it won't matter by the time all the, the one seeds get upset and eat up some more at-large birds bids. There's no reason why they can't. I'd be surprised if they got an at-large bid. Uh, Weber State hosts Northern Colorado tonight. Weber State, Southern Utah, who's at Portland State, and Eastern Washington. A three-way race in the big sky, uh, and then a four-way race. Well, Boise State's backed out of it a little bit uh, at the top of the Mountain West. And then there's the Jazz. We spent a lot of time on the Jazz this morning. Sum it all up, PK, for the people who just joined us after 9.30 who missed three and a half glorious hours of radio. They lost and they got screwed. <laughs> that was very concise. You've got a few more minutes than that if you'd like. Oh, okay. Well, Okay, how about this? Go we It got buried by the fact that they lost and they got screwed and the refs at the end. But everything we were talking about 24 hours ago that we wanted to see, we saw all of that. But because the game was winnable, because they had actually big leads at times in the fourth quarter, uh, that all gets lost. But as far as the effort, the execution, they got to play better than they did in New Orleans. And all those things, they got to play better, they got to play smarter, they got to play hard, all that stuff. The game was great back and forth. The Jazz coming in with a chip on their shoulder because the way this road trip's going. The Sixers coming in with a chip on their shoulder because they lost in Utah. And Embiid's mad that people were calling him out thinking he was scared to go bare. So this, this was a high-end regular season game. Yeah, I thought it was always going to be that. I said that all day yesterday. That's why I put a little more stock into that game. And sure, they lost in heartbreaking fashion. I love the effort. Uh, clean up some stuff. But, you know, no team's going to be playing perfectly all the time, that's for sure. And I don't want them to be playing perfectly in the first week of March anyway. When the postseason is two months, it's a season unto itself. So you got plenty of time here to get better and sharpen up and – you know, you just look at Joe, who wasn't much of a factor in the New Orleans game, was a huge factor in this game to the point where I would like to see him in more. He doesn't play the end of the game. He doesn't play at all at overtime. I thought that was somewhat of a mistake, uh, the way he's playing. Because if he's shooting the ball well and he's shooting with such confidence, he's one of those guys who has the ability to make everybody else better too. And it just it comes natural to him. So that was a nice improvement that he made from one game to the next. There's a lot of positives and some negatives that they have to work out. And you know, Philly with it, Embiid is is a prolific player. He is the yokage of the uh, Eastern Conference. So, and you look at some of their losses. Well, we know uh, Denver Jokic went off, and I'd have to say Embiid went off. I'm not watching him every game, but it's hard to imagine that he's going to have that much more of an impact on an individual game than what he had against the Jazz. Well, he finished with 40 and 19. I guarantee he's not averaging that. I wouldn't think. No, he's certainly not averaging that. <laughs> I know, right? But I mean, in terms of the impact big beyond game. the stats, I mean, he was so dominant, and to be able to hit to back up and hit that three. To go backward, 
Yep. Not be there already. That's what I would have loved to see Gobert on Embiid in that situation. Give him a two all you want. But the only way it's going to overtime is if they make the three. And I would have loved to see. Not that Bogdanovich was bad because he wasn't under any circumstances. I'm not saying that. I just think that I would have loved to see him uh, be guarded by Gobert and see what would he what would he have done. At least psychologically, he knows, hey, I can't just dominate this guy because he's so tall and so long. He averages 30-11. He went for 40-19, and 19, and the most impressive stuff was that they went to him in the fourth quarter, possession after possession, and he got him bucket after bucket. And then the three was gigantic on top of that. And then give him credit, because I think he knew. If you wouldn't, he can't admit it that they were the beneficiary of calls and non-calls, but I think he knew that I could pretty much get away with anything here. <laughs> and so I'm going to lower my shoulder. On Gobert, and I'm just gonna go through him, and he did, and he not Gobert five feet away. It's clearly in my mind an obvious charge, but give him credit for knowing that I could probably get away with this. That's smart play. Well, you got to know, you got to know how the whistle's going and what you can get away with and what you can't. You're always supposed to adapt to how a game's being called and all that stuff. We've heard that over and over in multiple sports, college and pro. So he did it. Yes. So, I guess we can uh, assume the Jazz fans will not forget this. This is going to stick out, right? Is this going to be one of the top three games of the year? Uh, remains to be what's seen. Remain, yeah, remains to be seen because you still have a half of a season to are go. There, are there any, how many wins stay with Jazz fans? Because I think this loss and the Denver loss stay with Jazz. I don't know that the Clipper loss does. I think this loss and the Denver loss bug Jazz fans big uh, time. New Orleans, too. I mean, that's a we can compliment New Orleans all we want, but they should have won the game. The Jazz. New Orleans is an under five hundred team, and they lost last night to the Bulls. Right? Don't. So we can act like New Orleans is all that, but they're not. They lost to the Bulls. Bulls aren't very good this year. They haven't been very good for a while, and they're not very good again. Chet Walker's not walking through that door. <laughs> Chet Walker, wow. Isn't he Jalen Rose's father? Uh, I don't know. I think he is. That's okay. why. That's why his. That's. Uh, I think he played back in the early 70s. He played with Jerry Sloan. Jerry Sloan's uh, talked about him. Okay. That's where I got it from. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, for the Jazz now, it's All Star break time. Shut it Good. down. Stew Good. on this. I'd rather they be irritated over All-Star break than be fat and happy. Yep. And there are plenty of examples of teams that went into the All-Star break cold and came out hot, came out flying. And for the Jazz, there'll be a big road trip to open up. Well, actually, there's a home game to open up. But then immediately after that, it's the Rockets. And immediately after that, there's a big road trip. So we'll see how much of this fire they take out on the road. It's now time to bear down, man. uh, 36 down, 36 to go. This is the halfway point. Two and a half months away from postseason. And people are now, they doubted you when you were winning. So they're certainly going to doubt you when you lost three or four. Uh, That's no question. I haven't watched the clip yet. I, we were talking earlier about how this is going to be a national story. So whatever you, however you consume your media the rest of the day, it's going to be out there. I'm looking at ESPN.com now, and I haven't listened to it, but there's a clip here. Stephen A. takes issue with Donovan Mitchell's ejection. 
Stephen A. Smith unloads on NBA officiating and the ejection of Donovan Mitchell. It's going to be a okay, thing. Well, that is, so that is taking issue with ejecting or getting ejected. There's two different I believe, things well, because he's unloading on NBA officiating, I think he is going to present a point of view that is sympathetic to jazz fans. And jazz fans are going to go, yeah, Stephen A., that's right, Stephen A., yes! But I don't know. The way it's phrased, I see why you asked. But uh, when he unloads on NBA officiating and the ejection of Donovan Mitchell, my guess is he's more upset with the officials than he is Donovan. Stephen A. Smith, now I never understood how a former print guy could make a decent living just being out of some loudmouth on television. That just makes no sense to me. Yeah. Should we just leave it there and go to break early? How could, how could, there. How could anybody do that? That's outrageous. Okay. Mic drop. Let's go. All right. <laughs> on that note, your feedback coming up next. Stay with us. And it's all over almost here. Don't go nowhere. Now let's get this party started. This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network. Have we ever talked to John on the air? No. No. And I've got questions. Is he there? I'm here. Hey, John, how are hey, you? Hey, John. I'm good. How are you guys? Uh, John, yeah. while we have you. No, no. We've had a, uh-huh. a, a long back and forth about a pitchfork incident. I want to know the details of my buddy here and your brother running a pitchfork through you. <laughs> we were out working and, you know, cleaning our hands or whatever you want to call it. And uh, he thought that he was like King Triton and he uh, threw that pitchfork and uh, oh! that is <laughs> sure enough. He sat on the mark and put it right underneath. Did you throw a trident? Yeah, I killed a guy with a trident. Hanson Scotting, weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Yeah, I think the Jazz, they, they they got screwed by the refs. The refs were bad. I actually got mad at Jordan Clarkson for not taking a shot earlier in the game. My positive spin on that nasty, disheartening loss last night, besides benching Conley, would be a fantasy. But the Jazz can fester about that and come out the second half of the season and smoke people. When is the last time you heard Donovan Mitchell complain? It's not like Chris Paul on every fetch and play. If I was a referee, at least pull him aside and hear what he has to say rather than just team up and let Embiid call the game. Refs are like water because they will run over any coach who gives resistance that is slim. We don't understand why Quinn sat on his hands while they stole the game and ran over him. <laughs> a lot of emotion, a lot of energy today, PK. Uh, well, it's going to happen either way. Right. Yeah. We all know the late Jerry Sloan would have been thrown out of last night's game, don't we? <laughs> I got thrown out at home. Uh, you got banished? Oh, yeah. My wife, she started cleaning up. I said, what are you doing? Sit down! <laughs> That'll get you teed up. Don't talk to Mrs. K like she that. She threw me out, man. I had to go outside, take a walk around the block. So during the break, I listened to Stephen A. Smith. They had a minute 38 clip from uh, from uh, Take Two. And his, so his take on this is that the NBA officials are blowing it by throwing young stars out of the game. What are you doing? Booker, he, and he, he started with Booker. He said, I told you yesterday Booker shouldn't, because he's talking to Max Kellerman. He says, I told you yesterday Booker shouldn't have been thrown out of that Suns um, 
Lakers game. He says Although you got that these, was with like 19 minutes to go, not 19 seconds. Right, but he said you got these small market teams. You got this whole nobody wants to watch these teams because nobody knows who they are. He says you got these young guys. They're legit stars. Booker and Mitchell are legit stars. What are you throwing them out of games for? People aren't going to fall in love with them if they can't see them play. They're very good. Let them play. If you got to give them a tee, give them a tee. Yeah, but you don't, need to play, be throw, you don't need to be throwing Booker out, and you don't need to be throwing Mitchell out. I, I, I disagree on that. Well, Mitchell, that was his it was, take. It was meaningless. Because there was 30 seconds left. Yeah. And this small market stuff, I, I think that's overblown. When, since when is Phoenix a small market? Compared to New York, maybe, but yeah. compared to most uh, New of York the teams. And LA. And, well, everybody is then. Yeah. Well. Then there's only <laughs> two major markets in the league. That's ridiculous. Yeah, well, LeBron makes you a major market if he goes to Miami. And he's in Los Angeles. Yeah, he's not he's in, in any place else. Right. But when he was in Miami, they were a big And player. I don't think Miami's a small market. That's my whole point. They're not. I think, Mar- I think Miami's like TV market uh, 12 or 14 or something like that. They're pretty big. You're back to TV is determined. Well, that's what small market's all about, PK. I disagree because Phoenix is not a small market. Medium. Again, it's the not point a small is, market. It's not I can repeat a, it. It's not a club that's been on somebody's radar. And, and it has nothing to do with freaking market size. And stars will put you on a radar and quit kicking these guys out. That was his take. He thinks the NBA officials are way too quick on the tr- on the trigger to run these guys. And he's got to come up with something every day. Yes, he does. <laughs> but you were asking from the headline what it was, and that's what it was. I disagree with it. I, I don't throw Devin Booker out. With 19 minutes to go in the game, unless he darn near punches you. I agree with that. But I don't think it's market size and whatnot. That's, if that was an issue, then the Lakers would win every title. And the Knicks would win the ones that the Lakers didn't win. And the Knicks haven't won much anything. Father Anarchy tweets at us, It's hard to like it, but that was a great shot. And Embiid is the guy you absolutely hate until he's on your team. I get that take, but I can't really work up that much hate for Embiid. I mean, I did not like the T. That was taunting. But I still can't hate him for it. He's in the moment. That was a heck of a game. He put up a... He, well, it doesn't matter whether you hate up. him or not. I mean, it's, That's part of the fun for fans. Just don't, don't allow things to happen. I, I would have preferred some jazz guy to just get in his face or slap his hand away from making the T <laughs> sign. I would have, yeah. John says, I'm fully expecting a fight during the All-Star game. Yeah, that's not going to happen. A fight? <laughs> that's not going to happen. I'm not even sure they break a sweat. <laughs> they don't get within arm's length of each other. <laughs> <laughs> Jogging around, putting up jumpers. <laughs> yeah. John says, shouldn't have Embiid have received a technical as well? The double standard is evident. You can't show up another player. Uh, is that taunting, though? Uh, it's one of those judgment calls. Could go either way. Uh, they could have teed him for it. I wouldn't have. They didn't. They were too busy teeing Donovan. I wouldn't have teed. I don't even know that they were looking. I'm not even sure they saw it. He did it long enough. I'm going to assume at least one of the three refs saw it. Yeah, that's that's not a tee. That's not tee-worthy in my mind. But I'm f- I'm pretty liberal in what needs to be a tee. Robert tweets at us. 
at Spider D. Mitchell and Vegas Bookmakers both keep saying this can't keep happening. Who will win? Ask Tim Donahue. Where's Fletch? We need some investigative sports journalism at Chevy Chase to go. Fletch? Wow. <laughs> I know. Need a detective. Let's get to the bottom of this mystery. Fletch wasn't a detective. He was a journalist. Yeah, but he was an investigative journalist. He was. Yeah. Oh, and he and in his methods they're a little unorthodox, <laughs> but he got the story. He did. <laughs> they were unorthodox. Uh, put it on the underheels, Bill. He got to the bottom of it. All right. Last word, PK. That's the feedback. You got anything else you want to share with the people before we turn this over to, to Scotty G and Hands? Scotty's in here early, all buckled up and ready to go. He is geared I, up for four hours of jazz talk. I think we're supposed to have Joe Ingles on tomorrow. They were flying back late last night, yeah. and so there was no need for him to get up super early today when he can do it tomorrow. Yes, Joe should be here tomorrow. We will expect that. And David Locke as well for his Friday visit. So we will talk to you tomorrow. Scotty G and Hands are coming up next right here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.